Wolfgang Amadeus is born. 1761, at the age of five, Amadeus begins composing. 1773, he writes his first piano concerto. 1782, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart marries Constance Weber. 1784, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart becomes a Freemason. 1791, Mozart composes the magic flute. December 5th of that same year, Mozart dies. 1985, Austrian rock singer Falco records...
Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Draft and Drexel show. That song again so abruptly, I, I wasn't ready to start. Uh, I'm like, I'm listening to it. I'm going, oh, I've got about another like 30 seconds. And I'm like, Whoop, it's over. So that was Falco's Rock Me Amadeus, a version you don't usually hear too much from 1985. This is the original version of it. And then it got edited down to about, uh, I don't know, about a minute less eventually for a play on the radio. You probably heard this version at some point in the 80s if you're old enough to remember it, or occasionally they play this version on uh, retro 80s shows. Falco actually has been dead for a very long time, even though he was a young man when he recorded this song back in 1985. He died in 1998, and he was only 40 years old, so younger than I am right now. He died in a car accident on the Audubon. So, and for those of you that don't know what the Autobahn is, it's uh, a road in Germany. I shouldn't say, really say a road. It's like a freeway in Germany, highway, whatever you want to call it. And last I heard, it had no speed limit. Now, maybe you guys can correct me. I was there in 1989, and I don't know if uh, it's changed much since then. But back in 89, I remember there's no speed limit. I wasn't the driver. But yeah, he. Oh, you know what? I'm wrong. He didn't die on the Autobahn. See, I, I say that, and then I go look it up to make sure. No, he died in a car accident. I was right. But he actually got in an accident in the Dominican Republic. I always thought it was the Autobahn. Well, now I sound stupid. Because I was, I was all ready to inform you guys about his death on the Autobahn, which you may not have known about. And then he didn't die on the Autobahn. I think I just assur- assumed that because he was German. Was he even German? Or was he Austrian? Ah, damn it, he's Austrian. <laughs> I can't get anything right about this Falco guy. Anyway, he was 40 when he died. He was in Dominican Republic. It was like a hit-on collision there. And he was Austrian, and I'll stop talking about him because I'll probably get even more wrong. Anyway, uh, this is an overnight edition of Poker Fraud Alert Radio being recorded at a little after 11 o'clock p.m., November 16th, 2016. And you may wonder why is it so late. Uh, occasionally something comes up at the last minute and I have to go do it. And that happened. I didn't have to do this, but there was something I had to do down at the Venetian, the Venetian hotel and casino in beautiful Las Vegas. And I I got a call about something going on there, which I didn't want to miss. Uh, I'd love to give more information, but, uh, I can't, (laughs) but, uh, it was something that I I felt was worth doing there. So I did it and I delayed the show to 11 o'clock. So I apologize to those of you that were expecting it tonight at, uh, 7.30 7.30 or so. Uh, now, someone who was also expecting it at 7.30 or so and did not get the message that it's not starting then and is kind of irritated about this is our own Brandon Drexel Gerson. Yes. Uh, I just saw, and I really just saw as uh, this was playing, as the song was playing, I just noticed that uh, Brandon had posted something on the official radio thread of Poker Fraud Alert. I'm going to read it to you. This is really the first I've seen this or heard of it. He posted this at uh, 9.55, so about an hour and a half ago. It is with profound sadness that today I must submit my resignation from the fraud show, referring to this show. Like the rest of you, I found out about tonight's show being postponed at 11 p.m. start time via this thread. I did not receive a phone call or text nor any communication otherwise conferring with me. Well, that's correct, but um, I didn't mean it that way, because I actually texted him about that 
and it didn't go through. I was in somewhere with not very good reception. I assumed it went through. I especially assumed it went through because I, I texted him about something earlier today, which did go through, and he didn't answer me. And, you know, I didn't... What I texted him wasn't a question, so it's possible he just read it and didn't think it needed an answer, and that's fine. But I thought I also texted him about radio, and I was waiting for him to say whether he's going to be on or not, and then I got no text. I'm like, okay, I guess he's sleeping or whatever. I'll just do it without him. And then I see this, and I'm like, what the hell? And, you know... I realized it didn't go through. So, uh, actually, I noticed it didn't go through before I saw this. But I, I knew before I even saw this that he was going to be annoyed that I didn't inform him that it was going to be later. But I thought I did inform him a number of hours in advance. But uh, I did, but it didn't go through. So, anyway, this is what he continues to write. When, when he wrote this, he didn't realize it didn't go through. In fact, uh, I don't even know where he is right now. But he wrote... Uh, it has become apparent to me that the fraud show does not have enough room for two stars. I have a certain vision, and Todd has a certain vision, and unfortunately those visions conflict. Make no mistake about it, this is a professional decision, not a personal one. Todd has long been, and will continue to be, moving forward, a close friend and trusted confidant. The good news is that this decision will finally enable me to produce and host a show with my vision. As many of you are aware, I have clo- I've had close ties for many years with a few high-level poker stars honchos, I have been assured that PokerStars will sponsor my new show as well as provide an actual budget through sponsorship. This is amazing news. I don't know if that's serious, but okay. Uh, I will now actually have a budget to hire talent and more importantly give the loyal longtime listeners something tangible back as a way to repay their loyalty. I have not discussed this yet with Todd, but I'd like my future show to be part of the fraud site as the last thing I want to do is fracture the core listener base. However, of course, this is all up to Todd. I thank you all for letting me entertain you throughout the years. I, pro- I will provide updates on here as well as Twitter as fast as I can. I will implement a, a certain aspects of the fraud show on my new show, but it will not cover serious poker content to the degree of my prior show. I foresee it on gambling in general, a ton of comedy and variety, and of course, just general outlandish behavior. Godspeed, Zod. Well, uh, I, you, you never know with Brandon if he's serious about these things. I, I know he was serious with being annoyed about not getting informed about this. Uh, that that I know is true, because he's complained in the past about that. Uh, and, and I understand the complaint. I'm not criticizing him for complaining. Uh, today was just a matter of bad luck where the one tech that didn't go through was telling him that the show's going to be late. But anyway, if, if he does really want to branch out on his own, if he wants to go solo, he can. Actually, I wonder if he's going to take Trader Ruski with him. Well, at least I'll still have Calwatt here. Anyway, uh, if he really does want to go solo, he's welcome to use Poker Fraud Alert for his show. I think in some ways it would be nice to have two shows per week here where one's by me and whoever else wants to be on with me and another's by him. And then we'll you know, start to look more like a network, as he calls it, the Fraud Network. Maybe there really will be a, a Fraud Network with a number of shows on here. So I, I'd offer this in the past, by the way, to other people. And if you have taken me up on it for brief periods of time to have shows on here, it doesn't just have to be Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Uh, you know, right now it's called the Druff and Drexel Show. You know, this show doesn't have to be the only one on here. We have the ability to broadcast twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, if we need. I, I could even, if I wanted to, make different channels of the network where, you, where certain shows would compete with one another. Though I, I wouldn't want to see that unless we ran out of time. I wouldn't want to like be on the same time as Brandon. But I could do that, too. It's, it's pretty much unlimited what I want to do here. So if Brandon really wants to do that, and when he talked about the vision for the show, uh, this always happens when you have someone that uh, you're working with on, on a 
any kind of show, where you're never 100% on the same page of what you want to do. And uh, Brandon has lost interest to some degree of the serious poker topics. He, he just has. He's just not following it that much anymore, as you may have noticed that sometimes he will take a break during the times when we cover those topics. And, and I told him before that was fine. I said, that's, you know, if you don't have an interest, then we'll do these uh, without you and you can come back for the other topics that are of more interest. Uh, Brandon always added a lot to the show. He always uh, made the show more entertaining. And if he feels that he thinks he could do a better job off on his own or, or do a show closer to what he wants to do if he's on his own, that's fine. And he can do it on this network. And I'm not saying this to be bitter or anything. Like He, he really can. And I think it would be interesting to have two different shows running here that are in uh, cooperation rather than in competition. Then it really will start to be more like a network, more something you can get more used to listening to on a regular basis rather than once a week. So I, I'm not encouraging him to do that, but if, if that's what he's really choosing to do, and this isn't a joke or just him saying this because he's frustrated with uh, not being informed about the delay tonight, then he's welcome to do that over here. So I'll give you guys news about that if that's what comes to pass. And, you know, Brandon's left the show before over the years. I'm sure if you go back and listen to the archives, you'll hear periods where it said that uh, Brandon's off the show. He may come back. He may not come back. In fact, I just heard on the call to listen line the other day when – I, uh, I just called to listen whatever was randomly on there, and I heard myself talking about how Brandon's off the show and he may never come back. And then I'm thinking, wow, well, that's funny. He's he's here now. He did come back. He's left and come back a lot of times, and uh, maybe this will be another time. So whatever. Uh, it's up to him. He's never been obligated to do the show because he's, he's never been paid to do the show. He's not committed to do the show. He's not uh, signed to do the show. This is something he does because he enjoys it and because we're friends and because he... Yeah, he likes the experience. He likes uh, entertaining people. He likes interacting with the listeners. A lot of the same reasons I do it. So this is all voluntary. And I told him that from the very start, back in 2012 when he joined. It's, it's all voluntary, and the more he can make it, the better. But that since the only owner of Poker Fraud Alert is me, that uh, he's not expected to do anything. He can do what he wants as far as being on when he wants to be on and not being on when he doesn't. So, that's the situation with that. It wasn't an official agenda topic, but I saw it as the song was playing here. There's no free roll tonight. Whenever we start the show super late like this, there's no free roll, just because we're not going to have the audience that we need for a free roll. I mean, yeah, we could have... 20 people in it or something, but I don't want to waste our, our donated free roll money. People donate money for this free roll, and I, I don't want to waste it with, with just a few people competing who can make it really late at night. I, I want at least the thing to be starting usually before midnight Eastern, and right now it's after 2 Eastern. It's almost midnight Pacific, so I, I, I didn't want to have the free roll this week. So it, what's funny is we actually have some people that play the free roll. because It runs anyway, but there's, it's not for any real money when it's taken off the schedule. So on the next show, we will return with a free roll, presumably. And of course, any money donated doesn't disappear. We just hold it for the future. And I I have a running thread on Poker Fraud Alert to keep track of money donated. So you know it doesn't go down a rat hole where I explain how the money's being used, what week it's being used. Everything's very transparent. You see who won. 
everything like that. So all the money donated gets shipped back out to whoever wins the paying places of the free roll. And I like having this free roll. It's like a little thing that repays the listener, at least the live listener, for listening to the show. And some people really get frustrated when there's no free roll. Listen to this one. From the uh, 312, new house rule, no back rub during radio, Ms. Ballhawk Net, not happy. <laughs> so this is Ballhawk Net, who's a listener of the show. I, I know who he is. I mean, I don't know him that well, but I know he's a listener of the show and posts on the forum occasionally. And I guess his wife will only back give him a back rub if there's a free roll. I guess if there's only only if there's money possibly to be won. So knowing that listening to the show will net her family zero dollars this week, I guess she will not give a back rub. Hmm. I never thought the free roll would be connected to a back rub. Let's see what other texts we have. Uh. From the 410, radio keeps going out. Uh Uh-oh. See, I I hate texts like that because that scares me into thinking that we're having technical difficulties, the dreaded technical difficulties. So let me go into the chat room, which if you're listening live and you have a flash-enabled device and you have a, a forum account that's validated and in good standing, then you can go into the chat room and chat with other users as... You listen to the live show. If you're listening to the archives, you won't find anybody in the chat. Everybody's saying in the chat it's fine so far. So, okay, I guess it's on... Uh, I think that's Scott from the East Coast. I think he's just having issues on his end, and that's good. Uh, from the 905, Druff is God. I'm more sober tonight. I'll call in. I believe this is from Chip Counter. I'll call in from, and he give me a number he's going to call in from, Better International Rate, I'll always be Team Druff. Well, I appreciate that, Trip Counter, but you don't have to be Team Anything. Uh, if Brandon does start his own show, I, I hope people will listen to both shows. It's not going to be a competition, and that's that's the whole point of what he was trying to say there, that he, he's not trying to fracture anything, that if he does do another show, he's hoping it'll be a show that people listen to both of them. Let's see here. From the 734, why did Brandon leave the show? Well, you have to catch this in the archives and go listen to the very beginning. I'm not going to repeat all that again. And it's not, it's not 100% he's listening, but or not, it's not 100% he's, uh, he's leaving. But I would say it's possible at this point. I, I, it could be a gag, and it could be just him being in a bad mood, but it also could be he's really leaving. Because as I said, this wasn't just from tonight. It was that he's... He's had this idea in, in recent months. We've talked about it. He's, he's brought up to me a few times, like, you know, maybe we should just have two shows. And it wasn't even for being mad at me for anything. It was just, uh, you know, the fact that I'm still covering the poker topics and that he's kind of getting away from that. And he's thinking, you know, maybe you should just kind of split it off and you have your show and I have my show. So anyway, we'll see what happens. I will keep you guys informed. Desert Explorers in the chat. He's saying it's been working great here. Beer and Poker says, Radio is good. These goons need to upgrade their CompuServe. (laughs) (laughs) You guys remember CompuServe? You remember CompuServe? I used to screw with CompuServe back when I was a kid in the mid-80s. I used to get these uh, CompuServe 
starter packs where you could get on for free for what seven days or fourteen days. I, I just keep going on there with these starter packs over and over. You know, my parents weren't going to go pay for that crap for me, so <laughs> I had to use the starter pack for as long as it lasted, and then when it expired, I'd wait till I could find another one. They were pretty easy to come by, though, so I could just keep creating new accounts. And I, I would just go into the chat there and troll people. That's all I would do. I just I go in the chat and try to make everyone as angry as possible. And keep in mind, I was like a a, a kid then, so um, I, I would go in and like make a name incredibly similar to somebody else's name in there, and, and then pretend I was them, and then just say things that were you know degrading about them, and they'd get pissed, and you know, they'd think, that's not me, that's not me, that's that's someone faking me, and then you know, some people wouldn't get it, and they think it was them, and I thought that was so funny. Now I would think it was stupid, but uh, back then it was it was high comedy. So the, that, that was my extent of using CompuServe, though. I was never a, an actual user of CompuServe that paid for it or seriously used the service. Uh, the, the only pay service that I really was part of for a while was Prodigy. You guys remember Prodigy? Prodigy, in a way, was kind of a forerunner to today's web. Uh, this was like late 80s, early 90s thing, and you would dial into it you know, with your dial-in modem, and you used their software, which uh, you know had graphics and had a lot of features on it that were kind of an early version of what today's web pages are. It wasn't using the same protocols or anything. In fact, that had not been invented yet. But it was a similar concept, and that was the only thing. It was the only service like that at the time. I think CompuServe kind of tried to be like that, but they're kind of still stuck in the past. And I, I thought it was pretty cool. And you could get news on there. It was, it was uh, had a lot of similarities to the, today's web. Now, when the web itself got popular in the mid-90s, Prodigy fell out of favor very quickly, as you might guess. Because why pay for it when you're getting it for free and much more information for free? But I enjoyed Prodigy during the time I was on there. And, in fact, I even met a few friends off there. In fact, there's one girl who's on my Facebook that... I knew through Prodigy. This is not anyone I ever dated or ever had the idea of dating. She was just, you know, someone I talked back and forth with, uh, just uh, in a friendly fashion. But uh, I think she found me on Facebook like last year and messaged me. I'm like, oh, I remember that name. And she's married and has kids. And uh, anyway, I enjoyed Prodigy. I thought that was the best one of all the, those type of services back then. I was never an AOL person. People always say, oh, you remember AOL chat? No, I I tried to go into AOL chat like once, and it was awful. And by the time I went in there, I was in my 20s, and everyone there seemed like teenagers, and they just it was like really, really lame and immature. So I, I couldn't get into it. I, I was more of a Yahoo guy. But Yahoo was different than AOL. You know, AOL was kind of more of its own service. Yahoo was more of like just a, a web service. But I was much more of a Yahoo guy. I, I didn't like AOL. 734 said he's listening to the call to listen line. That's right. i got to go back to the intro so we can get the intro done and uh, then do the rest of the show. The call-in number to the show is 775-FRAUD-55-775-372-8355. 775-372-8355. That's also the text number to the show. You know, these texts I've been reading, that's coming from people who've been texting the main number of the show. 775-372-8355. You can text me any time of the day or night, and I will respond to you. 
I may not respond right away if I'm not available, but I, I really check that number all day. So you will get responses from me. Just about everybody gets a response on 775-372-8355. Try it. Now, I may read your text on the air unless you ask me not to. See, from the 773, you got it backwards, Whittles. They actually wrote Whittles instead of Whittles. Ballhawk Boy says he's not giving me a back rub because there's no free roll. If I have to listen to you yak at 2 a.m., I'm getting back rubs, or he can sleep on the couch. <laughs> now, I, I don't know if that's really Ballhawknet's wife, but uh, if, if it isn't, good job. Either way, if it's Ballhawknet's wife, good job, and if it's, uh, if it's a fake Ballhawknet's wife, that's also a good job. I, I like that text either way. So... If I have to listen to you yak at 2 a.m., I'm getting back rubs. Ugh. Like, is it really that bad to hear me talk? Is it really that bad? All right, here's someone who I'm glad doesn't find it offensive to hear me talk. Uh, Chip Counter, hello. And hello from Canada. Yeah, hello there from Canada. Or to Canada. I'm not in Canada. Whoa, what? <laughs> what? It's Canadian what was, update. Oh, okay, a Canadian update. Okay. Well, hang on. Right. We're, we're still doing the, the intro here. But you, right. you you can hang out for a while here if you want. It's a, you know, there's no co-host. So uh, the, if you want to call the Mount Charleston line, the Mount Charleston line is a separate phone number, separate line into the show, uh, which is located on a mountain called Mount Charleston, which is about 45 minutes away from Las Vegas. It's an old rotary 1970s telephone that sits on top of Mount Charleston. It really does. And it forwards to me wherever I go. I'm not there. I'm not on top of Mount Charleston now, but Absolutely. I have it forward I have it not forward to me. Confused with uh, Area 51. No, it's not or... Area 51. I wouldn't be able to get there. So yeah, I go check on this phone every so often, make sure it's working, make sure it's in good condition. And I and I like the Mount Charleston area, so it's you know, kill two birds with one stone, but it's not in Area 51, but it does forward to me. You can't text it, but you can call it. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is that number. Now, there's a very important number I want to give you guys, which is the call to listen line. The call to listen line is a phone number you can use to listen to the show very easily with any phone that can dial. It doesn't have to be a smartphone. You don't need the Internet. You don't need a data plan. You don't need a computer. All you need is a phone that can dial, and if you do have a data plan, guess what? It does not use even one byte of your data. It also does not require a very good connection. Let's say you're in a place with a crappy connection. Let's say you're in a place like I am where the text doesn't always go through to your co-host and he gets mad at you. If it's like that, you can still listen to the show. If you want to text Brandon, even though he supposedly resigned, you can still text him. You can ask him to come back, or you can tell him, hey, yeah, start your own show. That'd even be better. Whatever. You, know, tell him, you can tell him your opinion here, whether you want him to stay on this show or start a, a new show on the Poker Fraud Alert Network, whatever you want him to do. You can text him. The phone number is 203-299-2436, 203-299-2436. And if you forget any of these phone numbers, you just have to go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com, and all these phone numbers, every single one I gave out, is listed and so you don't have to worry if you forget them. Like the call to listen line, that's a tough number to remember. 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162 is that number. But that's hard to remember, but you can just find it on the radio page. We also archive every single episode. 
I call them the archives because uh, a listener once called up and asked, when are you going to put the show in the archives? And since then, I've I called it the archives. That. I remember that. <laughs> okay, so, so, so uh, the archives, every single show we do is put in the archives. And the archives can be accessed in one of many ways. You can call up, you, know, you, you can just download the MP3 file directly from PokerFraudAlert.com. You can listen on iTunes. You can listen to St- through Stitcher, which is an app on your uh, smartphone. Tune in with another app on your smartphone. In fact, tune in can be used to listen to the show live as well. We have Google Play now, which can be used to listen to the archives. It's good for Android devices. So we have all those things. And as I said, you can download the MP3 directly. Just go to the radio page. You'll see the little icons for each thing, each listening method, and just click on the one you want, and you can listen the way you want. I believe this show actually has the most listening options, including the call to listen line of any radio show in the world. I can't think of any show that gives you more options to listen than this one. We really have just a ton of options. And if there is one with more options, there's very few of them. So Goddamn right. And it's got NDP, Chip Counter's Cock, and <laughs> this is the one fucking radio show where you're going to hear straight the voice from voice to ear, Dandruff, Chip Counter, Live right now. Yep. Call in. So, uh, so let me give you the agenda tonight, and then we'll get going. Uh, Isaac Tucker. I hadn't heard of him until this week. I'll admit that. But Isaac Tucker is in some controversy. Who is he? He's the owner of the iNinja Poker Tournaments uh, group or company, whatever it is. You may say, what is the iNinja Poker Tournament? So that's a good question. I hadn't heard of that either. It is a tournament company slash series or something. They, they hold poker tournaments. And they had a bunch of pros associated with it, and Isaac Tucker was the owner of it, and I guess he still is the owner. It was based out of Minnesota primarily, but I think sometimes they went; to, they had events outside Minnesota. Well, Isaac Tucker has been accused by various pros associated with the iNinja poker tournaments to be a scammer. So we will talk about that situation. Poker Stars. Two pieces of news about Poker Stars. First of all, they announced even more changes to the VIP program. Remember all that controversy last November when they were changing their Supernova program to where things that uh, anyone who qualified for Supernova Elite and was going to carry it over to 2016 was going to lose benefits, and people who had qualified the previous year thought that it's like a two-year thing, so they were pissed that in the middle they get their benefits changed. And they were right. They were really right to be mad about that. But Poker Stars said, tough luck, we're doing it anyway. And they did. Well, they're making even more changes in 2007. Not as major, but there are more changes, and they're not player-friendly, I'll tell you that. So I'll tell you a bit about the changes to the Poker Stars VIP program in 2017. I have a question about that as well, Druff, but uh, I'll wait till you get You wait till this. That's good. So the intro doesn't take an hour. Okay, former Amaya CEO David Bezov. Remember, he was the CEO, and then he had to resign in disgrace because of insider trading charges against him. Well, he says, well, you know what? I may not be the CEO. I may have had to resign, but I have a way to become CEO again. I'm going to attempt a takeover of the company. And that's that's another problem, too, is people will leverage their power from one company to another Yeah, well, this is weird because he left. Now he's going to try to buy it. So we'll talk about that. Uh, A New Jersey proposition was on the ballot. 
you know, the same ballot which elected Donald Trump. He lost to New Jersey, but uh, the New Jersey, they, they had a proposition that people could vote for to expand gambling outside of Atlantic City. New Jersey is a funny place in that there's only one city in the entire state where you can gamble, and that's Atlantic City. The rest of the state, gambling is illegal. Which is really weird, because I, there's no other state like that, to my knowledge, that has that situation. I, there are some places that you know, they only allow gambling on Indian land, but I, I've never seen it where there just one city that's not about Indian land, just, a, just one city is designated a gambling city, and the rest of the state you can't. I've never seen that before. So New Jersey, they had a proposition to expand gambling beyond Atlantic City, and it has failed. The, uh, the Brooklyn area has a bust of a high-stakes gambling, loan-sharking, and drug ring. There's a bust related to these things. That's, uh, so that's, uh, there, were, there were poker games. There were high-stakes poker games involved with this. It seemed more about uh, the, the loan-sharking and the drugs that the bust happened, but it also had to do with poker. We'll talk about that. Uh, yet another East Coast topic. The funny thing is we're going to have a bunch of East Coast topics tonight, even though this is a terrible time for East Coast people. It's very taboo as well, obviously. Yeah, uh, Bor- the Borgata is seeking a lot of money from Phil Ivey. They are now attempting to get him for... One million dollars. Now, he wishes. They're trying to get him for 15 million dollars. Hmm. Uh, and you may wonder... Why 15 million? Actually, a little bit more than 15. He won 9.26 million dollars playing baccarat there through an advantage play called edge sorting, which we've discussed before. He did this also at some other casinos like, like Crockford's in the UK. Uh, he he did collect the money, and Borgata, now knowing that he did that, is suing him to get the money back. Now you may wonder how could they be suing for 15 million if he won 9 million? They're so trying isn't to see the big fucking like for, like fuck you though because we all know him from his great poker achievements. It's the same as Dan Blazarian, right? They they have all this money and now we look at them. It, it's, does it really matter? Well, we don't know how much money Phil Ivey has because he he's, he really is a huge gambler, so you never know how much he has from you know, from day to day. But they're suing him for fifteen instead of nine even though he only won nine, because, and this is a weird concept, it's called expectation losses. And I'll explain what expectation losses are when we'll get to that segment. It's a, it's a new legal concept. I, I, I haven't seen this before. Maybe it's not new, but I've never seen it before. I'll explain what expectation losses are and why they feel they can ask for over $15 million when he only won $9 million and something. That's my whole um, argument, though, is where dedicating time for stuff that doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, he's still going to be a millionaire. Well, you never know. Actually, if they had to pay $15 million, I don't know. I don't know how much he'd have anymore. And we're going to discuss that, too. We're going to discuss, like, what if there is that judgment? What will he do? This will be part of that segment. So uh, okay. we'll talk about that. If you're in the UK, you're probably getting something that we don't get very often here. And I'll ask you in a second if you get this in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's spam text messages. I don't get many of those. Uh, spam text messages are, are messages you get that are advertising something that you didn't ask for on uh, through text message. I get a lot of spam emails. I'm sure all of you do. But spam text uh, is not that common in the U.S. And can, do you get a lot of those or, or only once um, in a while? That's a great uh, great question. I'm glad you asked that, actually. Um, I've played on a few online casinos 
where I'll just <clears throat> throw some money down, and a month later I'll get a text from, you know, opt in now for a hundred percent bonus and play at this casino. And so, yes, the answer to your question. Okay, is you yes. got some. So, so apparently, that what you're describing, something similar to that, is happening in the UK, where where they gambling have to gambling sell your information to a, <clears throat> a company that uh, a third party. That, that's what's know. happening. They're they're, se- they're selling information on gamblers to other gambling yeah. companies and then spamming yeah. people. The yeah. UK government is going to try to crack down on that. We'll talk a bit yeah. about what's happening there. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to hear your intake on that because I don't like that. It pisses me off. I, I, yeah, nobody nobody likes getting that. Yeah, so so and and speaking of spam, seven stars is the top tier card you can earn at the Caesars properties. If that's the highest level you can earn there, I have attained seven stars. It's going to be expiring soon. Actually, I've got to renew it. But uh, Caesars has tried to treat its seven stars members with respect so they don't alienate them and lose their business. Well, that's why I was surprised that. I got a an email from Caesars to Seven Stars members, not just to me, but to all Seven Stars members, that was essentially spam. So I got spammed through the Seven Stars program, which I thought was really kind of uh, tacky. So I'll, I'll tell you guys about the silly offer I got that I consider to be spam through the Seven Stars program. So what is it, though, Druff? Is it the, uh, they're just selling your information to people that just... They, no, they didn't sell it. It's a marketing partnership. They they were spamming on right. behalf of another company is what they did. They didn't sell it. They they were actually they're doing it themselves, but they're advertising something else. And I, I get I, that. But the problem is you you didn't give those people your information. You no, but it wasn't that. those people. It was actually just Caesar sending it to me saying here's an offer and click this. So so that I don't I don't think the other company has my info, but that's not really the point. So okay, okay. Uh, general topics. Did Hillary Clinton stage a hiking photo the day after her defeat? And when I say stage a hiking photo, there there is a picture of Hillary Clinton that supposedly was taken by a a young girl, uh, not really young, like in her 20s, that she was hiking and happened to run into Hillary Clinton who was hiking on the day after she lost the election. She went and did her press conference after losing, and then she supposedly went hiking not too long after that, and the only other person on the hiking trail was this young girl, and they took a picture together, and people thought, oh, isn't that sweet? Well, it turned out it looks like that whole thing might have been staged, and we'll discuss that, and I'll also tell you why I feel that is something that's relevant to to discuss. Like, some people, especially Hillary supporters, were uh, giving me a hard time on the forum for bringing up, because they felt it's stupid and inconsequential. Even if she did it, what's the big deal? Well, it's not a big deal, but I think it's, it's indicative. I think it's, it's indicative. Of, well, it's indicative of why she lost. I think you know. It's, it's just. Yes. It's it's absolutely. It's showing why people did not want to vote for her. It's, so. Yes. Uh, she she still doesn't have that image of um, authentic uh, authentic. Yeah, authenticity. Right. There's there's yeah, no authenticity. She, she can even after losing, she just can't. Look like a, a normal citizen. Yeah, she she can't just she can't just be herself. Like uh, like you know Trump yeah. when he would when he would text at three in the morning about ridiculous things, you'd say, okay, well that's just Trump being himself. <laughs> at least this isn't staged. At least you know you're getting the real Trump. Like with yeah. with her, everything was so staged, and even after the day after she loses, she's staging things, which I thought was amazing. It, it's it's so much more pathetic than that, um, Truff. Think of you and I heads up at the final table. I beat you. You know what? You're you're depressed. Like you can say to me, I won. 
I would be the one that somehow just, you know, in my dark depression with all my millions of dollars, just go through a hike through the woods and happen to go across a, a long-time friend and, and just happen to take a, a casual photo in the forest, pretending that everything's okay. Meanwhile, it turns out that that's a, a long-time friend and aide, and it just it reeks of just more... It's it's so fake. It's so yeah. Well, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk more about it when we get into that. But yeah, it, it is that's very not fake. Disgusting though. It's like well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's why. That's why I post. Lost. That's why I posted about it. And we'll talk about it here. Uh, the the Trump, Donald Trump uh, made some cabinet picks, and there's other cabinet picks that he is considering. There's already some controversy surrounding that. We'll talk a bit about the cabinet picks. Do some analysis on that. And finally, multi-level marketing. You know, there's not many things that I will agree with. John Oliver on, but uh, this is one of them. I actually watched a little uh, multi-level marketing piece that he did, and I liked it, and I agreed with it. And I have to say, multi-level marketing is a scam. And if you know anybody who's into it, or if you're into it, you you may feel like I don't know what I'm talking about, and it's a great thing, and that means you're believing exactly what they want you to believe. Multi-level marketing is a scam, and the chance that you're going to make any money from it is very small. So I'll tell you the the very few ways you can make money doing it, but I'll also tell you why it's a scam and why you're almost sure to lose money and why it should really be illegal. So we're, we're talking about things like Herbalife and other similar companies where you're getting some kind of incentive to sign other people up to sell the product. That's that's what multi-level marketing is, and I will explain why that's a scam and, and the various court rulings that have been made against it over time, dating back to the 1970s. So that's our show for the evening, and uh, we'll get started right away with the Isaac Tucker situation. Now, Isaac Tucker, and I just heard about this a few days ago, and people are like, people are bringing this to my attention immediately because they they know this is exactly the type of thing I like to discuss. This this is primarily a show to talk about fraud and scams and scandals in the poker community, and to call that out, and. This definitely falls under that category. Now, this was not something I discovered. I saw this on Twitter, and there is a link to a document on Google that someone put up, and I read the whole long thing. Uh, this was this document was written by a guy named Ku Vang, and you can find him on Twitter at twitter.com/kvangpoker. That's K V A N G Poker. Ku Vang is his name. He was involved with Team iNinja Poker. In fact, at one point, he was even the general manager there. And Ku Vang is accusing the owner, Isaac Tucker, of being a scammer. And this is also this this uh, report is also prepared by two other people who were involved with it, named Aaron Johnson and uh, Vlad Rivniaga. I've never heard of any of these three people, but. Uh, I read the whole thing. It was interesting. It was long. It was a lot to digest. But I posted a summary of everything, which is still a little bit long, <laughs> on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum on Poker Fraud Alert. You can read that at your leisure or you know, after you listen to this segment. And I'll tell you a bit about it. And I'll also just give some general commentary on these sorts of things. I'm seeing a number of these things that are popping up these days, these... Uh, revolutionary ideas 
that where you're joining some kind of poker team or some kind of poker group or investing in some sort of new revolutionary poker business, and they always end the same way. And this is yet another one of them. And usually the front man to these things, usually the owner or the creator or the CEO, it's always someone who's charismatic and talks a good game and really has you convinced that you're going to be part of something huge. And even sometimes at the beginning, it has the appearance that it's working out, but then it all comes crashing down. This was one of them. So, again, I'm going by what Kuvang wrote and put out there. So it's possible, though not likely, but possible that some details are wrong. It's even possible, though I think remote, that these accusations are all false and that maybe Isaac Tucker is completely innocent. And if so, Isaac Tucker is welcome to come on this show and, or, or to post a response on PokerFraudAlert.com. I will give him equal time. However, from seeing many of these scams over the years when people come out, especially a few people together, come out and accuse someone of this. I, I can't even remember ever in poker that someone comes out and writes a whole report on someone else being a scammer and it turns out to be wrong. I, I can't remember one in, in, in all these years. Yeah. I, I've been part of poker since uh, the, the very beginning of 2001. And, and, and it, I think that's a, again, Jeff, you have to like stick strong to that point. Is No one has ever questioned your integrity. We've seen a lot of scandal. I mean, I haven't been in this team for years and one thing that I can say no one else can dispute is you've always maintained your integrity you've always upheld a very uh, staunch um, clear record well yeah and, and so like I make a promise to someone or, or I, I, anything in any deal involving money or any really time I, I make an agreement with someone I keep to it and that's and people know that and that's why in in the almost 16 years I've been in the game, that and associated with poker and with gambling and all that, you will not find one accusation. Even with, with all the people that that don't like me for one reason or another, for that I've gotten into disputes with or uh, or arguments with or things like that, you will not find one that says Todd ripped me off or Todd cheated me or Todd scammed me. Not forget just proof. No one's even accused me of that. No one's even accused me of and of uh, beyond that. People uh, will actually say, "Hey, we'll give money." This guy to escrow. Right, right, right. So someone has any kind of thing where they uh, they need someone to escrow between two people, where where they need someone in the middle who will they can trust that won't run off of the money. They always come to me because they know that of of all the people they know in poker, I'm the least likely to run off of yeah. the money. So that's that that's, should say something. That's solidified. The problem is that there's still a huge uh, gamut of people that are. You know, there's a lot of bad people. Well, there are. That's that's why this show has new material. Like every, I always think like, what if we have a week with like nothing to talk about that uh, of of uh, like a scam variety? We like never have that. There's always something new because it's there's just so much of this going on. So this this week we're talking about the team uh, I Ninja Poker. Now this was founded in Minnesota, and it it, it it's some kind of like group that has that holds tournaments. And they, they even hired an artist. I assume they hired an artist. Uh, they they had a picture of all the members of Team I Ninja Poker drawn as cartoons, and uh, it was supposed to be a big thing. It was called I Ninja Poker Leagues. It was founded in 2014 by Isaac Tucker. Uh, since this report came out, he protected his Twitter. By the way, so you his Twitter is twitter.com Isaac Tucker, but Isaac is spelled I S S A C. It's not I S A A C. It's two S's. And one A, 
So ISSAC Tucker, but he actually protected his tweets, so you can't even see his tweets anymore. That's that's not a good sign either. That shows he's hiding. No, but he's hiding yeah, right. Now. So so he he in 2014 he started it primarily operated out of Minnesota. They signed a bunch of pros. Uh, none of them were well known, like like this Koo Vang and other people. They they may have been big in Minnesota, but I I've never heard of any of them. And anyway, these pros were promised partial World Series of Poker buy-ins, other tournament buy-ins, uh, etc., in exchange for being associated with the brand. And uh, they probably paid Poker News to write a puff piece for them in May of 2015, promoting them. Yeah, Poker News, uh, PokerNews.com is it, it, uh, they do cover real topics and they, they do some good work over there. I, I know some some of my favorite writers there have left, unfortunately, but. Uh, Poker News also sells out pretty easily in that if you want them to write an article about your company and you pay them, they will. Like I, well, that, that's very upsetting to hear that. So where is the transparency now? Dropping? No, there really isn't. I mean, I, I'm not saying like they, they report on real news. I'm not going to. They're not. Uh, I'm not going to totally bash Poker News here. But I'm saying that like if you've got a company and you want them to promote what you're doing, they'll write an article as if they're just covering it as news. So that's yep. the- and, and that wasn't a lead-up question either because again I haven't been in the, uh, the industry. I haven't played it. I haven't played a hand of a poker for about four years, so I don't really have any partisan opinion. Yeah. I, I'm just asking. Yeah, I, yeah. I like, I, like I, I want to be clear. I don't think Poker News is necessarily skewing news. Uh, like if, if there's something bad about your company, I don't think you can buy them to write something good. I'm saying right. that if, like in this case, then this is before any scandals, by the way. Uh, in May 2015, they wanted promotion for iNinja Poker, so they they probably paid Poker News. I can't say for sure because I, I don't know. But to, to me, it looks like it. To me, it reads very much like an advertisement. This May 2015 piece. Uh, it, was, it was entitled "I Ninja Poker Leagues Awards 45 World Series Seats." Like, what, they wouldn't yeah, just cover that yeah. for free. They want—they're going to want money for that. I know it. Well, here's a question then. Um, since I left the forums, which was pretty scandalous at that time, we—it uh, was about two years after the the whole UB Russ Hamilton fiasco, which I'm sure everyone knows about, right? Yeah. Um, would you say that? Online poker is more secure now, or is it less secure? Uh, you know, it's about the same, honestly. There, there's, there's still, there, there's, there's just more and more of this. And this wasn't even, this was not an online poker thing, by the way. This is, this is a live poker scandal. Even though it's called iNinja, which would imply like something electronic, like an iPhone, it's not. It's, it's, it's like a live mm-hmm. poker league. So they, which would mean that again, you have no vested interest either way. No, I, I know, I know none of these. I don't know any of these people. I've never dealt with any of them. They've never ripped me off. They haven't ripped off any of my friends. I'm just reporting what this Kuvang posted, and, and which to me looks pretty legitimate. I, I, I know from my experience in the industry. And from reading these type of stories, where there's just one after another, when I read it, I, I I know bullshit when I see it. Usually, and this does not look like bullshit. So, if it is bullshit, it'll be the first time, and it'll have fooled me, which is unlikely because I've gotten so used to reading these things. And I still I can't remember one time there's been a big report on someone scamming in this way, and it turned out that it was all they were totally innocent. And someone accused them falsely. Like that never happens. So yeah, and you would think by a, in this day and age, like it's going to get kind of weeded out pretty soon. Well, yeah, you're right. And, and, and if and, if, and true, and also if you're being falsely accused, you don't protect your Twitter. You if if you're being falsely yeah. accused, what you want to do is put out all the proper information there to where you discredit the accusations which are incorrect. You don't go hide. If you go hide, it usually means oh crap, they figured me out. So yep. so anyway, in in two, 2015. Uh, 
they were already having a hard time paying their pros as promised, and they were giving a lot of sketchy excuses, they meaning Isaac. And this was going on throughout 2015, though uh, most of the people involved who were owed money eventually got paid from that year, albeit after a lot of hassle and often very late. Even some of the people who won World Series seats allegedly did not get those seats, and sometimes they flew to Vegas for the World Series. Like with their only, the only way to buy in is if, if they get paid for it. These are people who didn't have a lot of money, and they're, they're counting on the free buy-in that was promised from the seats they won at these iNinja tournaments. And they flew not even knowing if they're going to receive them or not, because uh, Isaac was being very communicative, or he was uh, stalling them. So they would fly there, go, okay, I, I hope I'm really going to be bought in here. Now, I guess... They actually, uh, some of them got their seats, some of them didn't get them or were given some kind of cash or you know, partial cash payment instead. There were a lot of different results according to this document, but uh, even the ones that got it, even the ones that actually got their seats as promised, went there not even knowing if they're going to receive it, and, and they were even they were pissed. Uh, so, the, so 2015 was a rough year. The, the, the pros didn't go public about this at the time. In fact, at the beginning, they were believing just Isaac didn't really know what he was doing yet, but he was learning the ropes, so they were giving him, some, cutting him some slack. As it got later in the year in 2015, they started to go, you know what, this is really starting to look bad. So finally, the revolt started to happen in early 2016. And Ku Vang, you know, the guy who wrote this, do- one of the, I think the main one who wrote this document, he laid down the law and told Isaac, Look, I'm I'm leaving. Uh, this this is a joke. I'm not being associated with this crap anymore. And he was begged to stay, supposedly by Isaac. And so Ku said, "Okay, well, I, we can't let this continue the way it's been. I want to be the general manager of Team I Ninja Poker, and maybe I can get everything smoothed out." So Isaac agreed, and in February 2016, Ku Vang became the general manager of I Ninja Poker. So. Considering that he's the one writing this whole expose and he was the general manager in February 2016, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Well, yeah. Absolutely. This isn't like a, this isn't like a disgruntled customer writing it. This is the yeah. the former general manager. So yeah, yeah. So he he, he did a good job supposedly. Of course, he's not going to criticize himself, but uh, he, he claims he did a good job. And for the next four months through June 2016, everything ran pretty smoothly. However, everything started to fall apart starting in June, which of course is the main month of preliminary events in the World Series of Poker. Mm-hmm. So du- during June, Isaac was asking the pros of Team iNinja Poker to exchange cash for PayPal. I mean, he would send you PayPal and you would give him cash. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know... Well, I, yeah, you know, usually when you get a request like that, that's a little bit sketchy. And you know, if it's a long-time poker player who has no kind of scandal following, someone like me, if I if I saw you in, in the Bellagio and said, "Hey, you know, for I just don't have enough cash with me, but I can go on my phone right now and send you some PayPal. Can you exactly, give me cash?" Then, exactly. then that's then that's fine. But but someone yeah. who's had a history of, of of having problems making payments, and then yes. he's going, yeah. "Hey, uh, can I send you PayPal for cash?" There's a lot of ways you. Can send PayPal yeah. and have have it appear to go through, and then you find out shortly after that that it turned out it bounced and PayPal's taking the money back. So and there's so many other like proper ways you can do it to trust. Like you know it as well as I do. There's so many other ways you can transfer money around the same ease, the same. Um, it's just there's 
you're just setting yourself up for uh, disappointment and, you know, leading up to it. So. Yeah, so people thought this was funny because this they were iNinja Poker was having an event at Planet Hollywood. And this had been promoted for a while, and they're thinking, crap, how, how come he comes out to Vegas? How come Isaac comes out to Vegas? He's the owner of Team iNinja Poker, and he... He doesn't bring enough cash right at the beginning. It's not like he's been there for a while and went through a bad run or something. He like right at the beginning, he's like, "Hey, can you give me uh, cash for PayPal?" And people are like, "Why didn't you bring the cash in the first place? What what's the problem here? How do you just get here to Vegas and, and and are you already begging for cash for PayPal?" So people thought that was odd, and they thought it was even odder when they started to notice that the same requests had come in at other iNinja events in other areas of the country. So of course, this was the beginning of the end in, in July of this year. The Team Pro payments ceased because they were they were making their you know the payments to the pros there to keep them happy and that was you know part of the agreement of these guys being pros for iNinja Poker. This was a text that was posted that was sent on July 26th. I'm not sure if it was to Kuvang or it was to one of these guys. This is from Isaac. Just wanted to reach out and tell you that I'm awaiting a payment. Uh, I'm awaiting a payment hold to disperse. East of the pro requirements, reimbursements, I'm having trouble reading here. Each of the pro reimbursements, I'm aiming for this weekend. If at absolute latest, within 72 hours after this event wraps, my hold isn't completed, I'll move money from my savings, and I will take care of it. And these are executive messages. Like, the, the fact that these are public is kind of alarming, too. Right? That just shows how... Uh, Disorganized the whole operation. Was. Well, I, I think he was broke. It wasn't just dis- it, you're right. It was disorganized. Yeah. And that's one of the complaints. But it, yeah. it was more than disorganized. It's just, the guy was just taking the money for himself. And, and yeah, so that, that was my next point. I was going to get at is like, can you imagine if you were having to go to one of your employees or just anyone to ask for you know funds? Like, yeah, and and so so these these are common excuses that scammers use I, you know, I, my payment's on hold just wait yeah. 72 hours, you'll get your money uh, I'm having bank account problems they, they love to say yeah. bank account problems scammers love maybe, to be claiming they'll give you 50k tomorrow yeah. I mean, where do we know that one from? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I one from my days yeah, so so whenever this like, oh, my bank account's having a problem just either front me the money or if they owe you oh, just wait, in, a, in a three days I'll get it to you it's always BS, it always means yeah. Yeah, either, always, either I'm never going to pay you or I'm trying to borrow from other suckers so I can pay you. That's what that really and means. Even if they are genuine, they're just in a bad spot, and you, you just don't want to have to lend the money in that, that position. Well, yeah, and was, uh, here he wasn't asking for, for money to be lent to him. Here he was just saying, I can't pay the people I'm supposed to pay yeah. you, and I can't pay you, and here's the BS reason. So that's what he did. So then, here's even a, a funnier reason. This was uh, only a few weeks later on August 10th. So two weeks later, on August 10th, this is what he wrote. I just wanted to update everyone on the pro payments today. So he, he still hadn't paid. Two weeks later, he still hadn't paid. Remember the 72 hours? <laughs> yep. So uh, I'm currently being, you like this one, I'm currently being audited. <laughs> I guess he's talking about the IRS auditing him. So I'm currently being audited, and they placed a 21-day hold while they review all of my submitted documents. My plan is to try to cut into a little savings and cut, and cut all the monthly pro payments next week. Once the hold is released, should be about the same time as Canterbury, which is a, a casino in Minnesota. I, I will be cutting the buy-in rebates. Cutting means he, he, what he means by that is he'll be making them. Uh, also, if any 
of you have been audited in the past and have any info to help a brother out, that would be great. Well, uh, so I think that's just BS. I don't know if he was really audited, but I think it could also be a, a double lie. It could be one that, or not double, it could be a lie that it springs from the truth. Sometimes people will have a true situation going on, but that's not the cause of whatever the problem is. It would be kind of like, uh, let's say I'm broke and I owe you money, but I also tripped and fell and, and broke my leg today. So I message yeah. you and say, so I'm, to- I'm totally broke and I've been stalling you. And I couldn't have paid you anyway if I hadn't broken my leg. But I text you going, oh, my God, I was going to pay you, but you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I broke my leg. And then I send you a picture, and I'm in the hospital, and you see my x-ray, and you go, wow, he broke his leg. Okay, well, I can see why he's not paying me today. Well, I wasn't going to pay you anyway. I'm broke. But uh, Kind of the analogy I was going to use, except I was going to say, well, I slept and I broke my leg, and someone came and took my money that I was going to give you. <laughs> so, you know, I don't have that money, and someone else took it. So you know what's funny? extra long to get that money because now I have to pay you, and now I have to pay the interest that I owe this guy. And it's just a, a continuous uh, web of lies. Well, you know, what, you know what's funny? You know what's funny is that you're not that far off something he actually pulled like that. You're, you're very close to something that he actually said, which I'll get to in a second. So it's funny you, you mentioned that. So, yeah, obviously, if, if well, he... was the same story, Jeff. If, right? if, if he was being audited... It, it didn't just happen then, and it didn't cause this, and they didn't freeze. It, it, it's one lie after another, one excuse after another. And that's why you're never going to have someone who's that financially unlucky to where for for a year and a half he has all the the very worst things happen that are not, none of which are his fault that are preventing him from paying you. If that's happening, you're being scammed. You're being lied to. You're being screwed. And that's what was happening there. So, so then he held a... Uh, heads-up tournament, or should I say I, I Ninja poker tournaments, whatever, poker league held a heads-up tournament where people bought in and so, of course, he's holding the money. I'm not sure where this is held, but it's something where he had access to the money. So it wasn't just like he wasn't just like sponsoring this at some casinos. It was some heads-up tournament that, w- that was being had. I think the pros were playing each other. Whatever it was, everyone bought in. He held the money. Right, right. And then, right when this was going on, before it was completed, uh, at that point, he came to the pros and said, all right, guess what, everybody? I have your money. <laughs> so everyone was very suspicious where that money came from. It was, it was the heads-up tournament money. <laughs> so, so then a new thing happened. A new twist came to this one. Isaac Tucker was arrested. And people said, oh, boy, that's it. He, he, he got arrested for some kind of scamming. We, we suspected all along. The whole thing was a big scam. He got in trouble with some other scam. We're never going to get our money. So everybody got, went into a panic. Well, strangely enough, the arrest was not about scamming. It was not about anything really financial. It wasn't about anything violent. Isaac was arrested for traffic tickets. Unpaid traffic tickets. So it, And uh, so that, that's, that's what I see. The people posted on 2 Plus 2, the arrest records so people will defend them of course because they have the reputation and i'm thinking of like do you remember ethnic fmink yeah who scammed people on everyone poker yeah well he you know he built up build up gain capital gain capital and same idea here or no yeah well so he's so someone posted the the uh, the records here and uh, it looks like, uh, so let's see, 
he, he was uh, driving after revocation, improper registration, uh, operating a registered vehicle without plates, failure to have proof of insurance. So it, it seems like these were the the charges that. Uh, uh, Actually, I'm, you know what? I'm not sure if these are the same charges. I'm looking now, and it says booked April 23rd, 2016. So maybe these aren't the same charges. A- anyway, whatever well, this was... It, records too. Yeah, wh- whatever it was, it, it wasn't uh, related. Let's see. Whatever it was, it, it wasn't related to this scam. Whether it was this traffic thing, I don't know why it says April. And so I, I was thinking this happened in August, but it's a little confusing. Anyway. Well, think I'm, of this too, Drew. Just to just inter- interject for a second... I, I work in the private industry, just normal job. I don't deal with people that have a lot of these, you know, issues. So when you when you try to make a living in an industry that has this many people that are constantly looking for edges and, and there's a lot of shadiness, and you can't trust people, you know, they will represent themselves as, as someone that you look and they, they seem friendly, and you want to trust them. But when you look into them and you get to know them, maybe they aren't who they represent. Well, that's exactly what happened here. Yeah, these people who start yeah. these these companies, they're always they're charismatic. They they come off like it's this is something that's going to be big. Right. You can trust you're, them. You're they, always going to have to be jaded. Like you just you, you, you do you, you do whenever you approach these things. Yeah, whenever you approach you're approached by these things, you have to really really be skeptical, no matter how good it sounds, because so many of these end up end up badly. So anyway, whatever he was arrested for, uh, at the very least, it was determined that this didn't have to do with the the situation that uh, was going on with with the i ninja poker league. So, but people were still concerned that. They're never going to see their money ever. That he's been arrested now. That this is just going to be the end, and that the 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 heads up tournament money is just gone. Well, so they went to a panic. They said, you know, "We want our heads up money now." So after after he got out of jail, he did acknowledge that yes, the heads up tournament money was gone. But not quite gone. He said that what happened was the St. Paul police, I guess he was arrested in St. Paul, Minnesota, that they prevented him from getting access to the money because he had a key on him that was for a storage locker and that when he got out of jail, the key for the storage locker was lost. <laughs> so the, the police lost his key to the storage locker, which was holding the heads-up money. And, and so the heads-up so then people really got pissed at that point and said we don't believe you for a second so yeah. so he, he somehow came up with the heads up money and he paid people but he paid them with new crisp hundred dollar bills you may say well what's wrong with that mm. well that the heads up money that was being supposedly stored in the storage locker where the key was lost mm. the people knew what their money looked like because they, you know they gave him the cash and these were it was a mismatch of 20s, 50s, and 100s that were not crisp. They were not new. They were just kind of crumpled up bills that, that these poker players have been holding for a long time. There, there were no crisp 100s that were stored in that locker. So how, how, did these, uh, how did these bills that were well-used currency and all tw- yeah, 20s, 50s, and 100s turn into crisp new $100 bills while in the locker? So, yeah, absolutely so, fresh, never touched. Right. So, so what what people figured was that he came up with the money in some other shady way to pay them, and and had indeed right. blown it. That the money that was in the locker, how how did that just 
miraculously turn into crisp hundred dollar bills. Something must have happened Which in between. Which goes back to that point we were talking about, like pay, you know, uh, paying off Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? And that's what he. That's probably what he did. So, so then, who also mentioned? We're going a little bit back in the story, but I'm just. This is how he wrote it. Uh, he mentioned that you're not going to believe this. This is called being gullible. In April of 2016, Ku was talked into buying 50% of the iNinja Poker Leagues for $40,000. <laughs> I mean, come on. The, the, the company is flailing. It's, it's, it's not paying people. It's, it's, it's in trouble. The, it's not even like he bought I, I would understand more if he just bought the whole thing. For forty thousand dollars, said, "Look, I can turn it around, and now that uh, Isaac's out of the picture, now I can, uh, now I can really run it the way it's supposed to." He, he was still letting Isaac be the boss. He was the general manager, but uh, Isaac was still involved. And as you see, you know, between April and and August, things did not get better; they got worse. So, uh, Ku owned fifty percent of the company, and he was, of course, supposed to get fifty percent of the ongoing revenue. Now, being fifty percent owner, he claims he did not receive that revenue, which I believe. Uh, so then, August 3rd, uh, 2016, desperate for money, Isaac started to sell off portions of the company to other people. So this is, uh, this is a text message posted from August 3rd. Going to sell some shares of the company next week. If you're at all interested, I'd love to chat with you. Would not have to be hands-on. My goal is 40 to 50K spread among multiple investors. So, so that's, that's a, you know, I guess he wants another 40 or 50K. You know, he got the 40K back in April. Now he's trying to squeeze another 40 or 50K. So he already sold 50%. Now he's trying to sell even more. He's even offering, look, I'll run everything. You just have to invest in it. So his goal is to spread this across multiple investors. Of course, it's such a disillusion, though, isn't that rough? Like it just—he just won't let go. Like, uh, yeah. So, so he's really squeezing them, you know, trying to squeeze the max out of this. Now, this is back on August third. Yeah. Now we're on we're in mid-November. The funny thing is, it kind of ends there. You you think we'd have an update since this document was just made? You think we'd hear like, where are we today? You would think that because not only that everyone's aware of what the fuck he's doing, but no, he would give up. But you're going to say something far more nefarious, aren't you? Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's uh, that's kind of where it stands right now. Is and I guess they took some time to still try to work this out, and they couldn't. So that's why there's some delay between August and now. But it, it looks like this I Ninja Poker League, even though it still seems to be active and attempting to still hold events. It seems like it's really in trouble. I, I wouldn't trust it at all because usually the iNinja Poker League has some sort of incentive like, you know, you win these tournaments. If you win the tournament, you also get a World Series seat and things like that. Well, if you're never going to get the seat, then what's the point? So I, wouldn't- I, I really enjoy hearing these things. And I know you'll say, or people will think, listen to this, that it's ridiculous. But I always draw parallels because the more transparent any business trans- transaction is, or the way they, any private company conducts itself, it benefits the people at the bottom to see how the the workings go. And you look at the, you know, the election, it's the same idea. Like, there's just so much fuckery going on. Do you understand where I'm going with that? Like, 
you would have no idea what was happening with iNinja. Like, I didn't know what the fuck iNinja was. I, I've yeah, I didn't know either. And, and I guess they I guess they they just had an event at the horse show. I wonder how that went. It was, I looked on their webpage. It says upcoming events, and it's not really upcoming anymore, but November 9th to 13th at the Horseshoe uh, Council Bluffs, which is in Iowa. Uh, the, the, for a 280 buy-in event with a 100k guarantee. Now, keep in mind these are probably real events that were just taking place and were associated with iNinjas. So probably the Horseshoe Council Bluffs is is the one putting up the 100k guarantee, and and iNinjas is associated with in promoting it. So that you know, I will give them credit for uh, this Isaac guy was able to get. Real casinos, like you know, Planet Hollywood did one of them. You know, they're getting uh, the Canterbury, which is a, a big deal over there in Minnesota. Uh, Horseshoe Council Bluffs is pretty big there in, in Iowa. So these these are real casinos they're holding these at. So it's it's really too bad. And I I I, I understand in a way why this coup invested forty k for fifty percent, thinking look they've they've got a connection with these because these major casinos to hold tournaments, maybe this will become a big thing. But yeah. uh, but not not when the guy at the helm, not when the guy running it right. is so shady. Right. And that's and so right. I, I think that they, they finally had enough and they released this document. And that's really the kind of suicide for iNinja Poker because once this document comes out and, and the word gets around that they're shady, then people are not going to want to go to these events. So that's, like, yeah. I, I only well, know so about it because they released the document. Two questions then. Well, maybe one question and two parts is, what is the future then for online poker and how do you hope to even combat the the amount of fuckery that's going on? Well, again, this isn't really, this isn't online poker. This is a, even it's called iNinja, it sounds like online poker. This is a, a live tournament series. And, and this shows you that there there's as much shadiness going on live as there is online. I, I talk to people playing live and they say things to me like, I don't play online, you know, there's too much cheating, there's too many scandals. And I say, you know what? There's a lot of cheating and scandals live too. You can't get away from all, it. All connected though, like with the live casinos, like they're all all connected though, aren't they? Like, no, not know. necessarily. But but the thing is, there's there's scandals everywhere. You, and this, this is something where people who never played online once in their life, if they played an iNinja poker tournament, could have been affected by this. Yes. Okay. So, so sorry, you're right. Let me rephrase. So what if you tried to bring the, that that. Uh, evidence to light you'd probably just get like laughed at you would not be taken seriously you would just well yeah for some reason these guys always get away with it, it it's it's frustrating like you, you, yeah, you'd hope so that you people need... who do things like this would go to jail and then there'd be charges against them and there'd be uh big lawsuits where there's large judgments against them and any money they make in the future you can collect from them it just never seems to happen it just seems like because these there's things... a lot of money involved right draft like if you try to like bring to light the amount of you know I'll say fuckery again, like the 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 shadiness that's going on with the the way that that whole web is being run with that. Well, let me tell you why this happens. Let me tell you why there's why there's not much people don't face many consequences for these things in poker. Poker players are so used to losing money because you know just you lose money as a result of playing some days when things don't go well that they almost see this as like part of the gamble, and even though they're mad. The, the the way they see it is like, well, I took a chance with this guy. I lost. I'm not going to do that again. I'll be more careful next time. They just chalk it up to a loss. And they also figure, like, if I try to sue this guy, he's broke. So what am I going to get out of him? So I don't want to pay for an attorney. Or even if I can find an attorney to take in a contingency, why do I want to go through all this hassle and I'll never be able to collect from him? So that, that's what they think. And, and, and these guys get away with it. And, and I can understand the thinking because if you know that as a guy who's broke – and you know that suing him, even if you can be successful, you'll never collect. 
it's like, why bother? Why put out all this effort to sue the guy and then never have an ability to collect from him? If you do hit the one time, you're going up against like a massive corporation. It's like driving without insurance, right? Uh, how are you going like, to take on that? that well, map? yeah, that, well, that's that's another thing. If, if it's something involving a small company like this, you can win in court. If you're trying to go up against a, a large corporation, it's very tough. And they have some of the best lawyers, and and, and uh, they they have a lot of different ways they protect themselves. And a lot of times you have to – then you have to involve yourself in these awful class action lawsuits where the lawyers take almost the whole thing and the people get almost nothing out of it. So, yeah, it, it can be very tough. So anyway, that, that's going on. Just be careful with this. Any tournament associated with iNinja, even if it's at a very legitimate casino like like Canterbury and Planet Hollywood and Council Bluffs, uh, the horseshoe there, these are all casinos with good reputations, and, and deservedly so. But be aware that if it's associated with iNinja, whatever extras are being offered, you're prob- you, there's a good chance you won't get them. Now, if it's just a regular tournament associated with iNinja, then it's probably safe because... If it's being held at one of these respected casinos, then it's up to these casinos to protect the prize pool and to actually pay you if you win. So if it's if it's the horseshoe holding the money or the Canterbury holding the money, it's fine. They're not going to screw you. Yeah, you, you and I should apologize for that too because I didn't realize that there was um, different. Like here in Canada, we just get one commercial. Everything is like syndicated under one umbrella. It's it's uh, poker stars. I thought. I Ninja, everything else is full tilt. Everything's under one. No, no, I, I, I Ninja is just a. It's the name of a poker league that this guy came up with. That that, that he was he would call. He, you know, what he would do is he'd call up these different poker rooms and say, "Hey, I'm running. I have this company called I Ninja Poker League, and I'll get you a lot of extra people for your tournaments. How would you like? To, how would you like oh, to run? How would you like to run a joint event where it's at yeah, your casino, but but it's at your casino, yeah, but it's okay. branded as an as a, an I Ninja event? And they say, "Okay, fine. Now now the casino still holds all the money, oh, so he fuck. so he, he can't." So I had no idea it was a separate entity. Okay, so, so so all this time you didn't qu- you didn't quite uh, no. understand what the whole thing was. No. Okay, well, good news for you. Just as you're understanding it, we're moving on. So okay, uh, po- Poker Stars, Poker Stars. Uh, they've since you brought up Poker Stars, let's move on to them. Poker Stars announced the changes to their VIP program for 2017. Uh, last year, there's a lot of controversy. They changed severely the benefits for Supernova Elite, which is their top tier. That's the people who really like played all day and all night, and it's a very hard thing to earn. You have to really spend your life doing it. Life meaning like, for, for whatever year. you like Million, Millions of, or lots of money for them. Millions. Well, you're raking a lot, but but a lot of these people are winning players even past the rake. But but you're you're it's, it's really a time commitment. To have, you're going to be sitting there a whole lot to make Supernova Elite, which which they They've done away with, but when they had Supernova Elite, you had to earn so many tier points there, which are called VP, VPPs. Uh, you really, it was a real major time commitment, and people figured, well, it's worth it because once I've earned it, then I can start getting the equivalent rake back of like sixty something percent at the time. So if you're a grinder on there, getting that type of rake back, you don't even have to win that much to, to make a lot of money. Yeah, so, so, so I, when I still played, the, the players in, in name were probably um, 
well, fuck, that's going way back. Uh, Neverwin, which I don't know where he's at anymore. Or, well, that's uh, before all that, actually. Neverwin was kind of... By the time Supernova Elite was made, Neverwin wasn't that active of a player anymore, and he, oh. already, he already had his problems at that's the time. That's another topic, I guess. Yeah, he already had his problems at the time, but but uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very tough thing to earn, and, and what, what this... Yeah, it was a very curt way of saying that, but okay, please continue. What, what, what the Supernova Elite people felt was that they... They put all this time into it in 2015, earning it, and it's supposed to be like a two-year thing. That once you've earned it, then you can maintain it a lot more easily than you originally earned it throughout 2016. So, so in 2016, they don't have to re-earn it all over again. They just have to maintain a certain level of play, and then they keep it. So, yes, yes, you you get it for the year, and then you just play it off, and then you have to re-earn it the next year. Well, no, no, you know, you can maintain it. Is the point? So, so their their point is that uh, anybody who earned it in 2015 was expecting to be able to maintain it much more easily in 2016, and when they changed all the benefits for it in 2016, they were mad because they said, we only earned this believing we could maintain it in 2016 and and, and still get these benefits, and, and you changed this on us. We wouldn't have earned this in the first place if we knew it's going gonna, it's gonna to run out and, and drastically change, and they had a good and point. Of course it runs out, Dross. Like, you know that you're an ec- economic guy. You, saw, you should have seen this. There's no way that's going to sustain itself. The, the amount of play that's going on right there. Well, it, it's true. It, it's true that they didn't want. See, they didn't want these people in. They, they were changing the model. They didn't want the grinders there because the grinders were just beating the fish. They were taking off the money on the site. They're like, I we don't. They're saying we don't want to every- give. The, we don't want to give the very best rewards yeah. to the people who uh, who are just beating all the fish. We want to give the rewards to the fish who are depositing yes. here. We don't want to give and the best rewards to the grinders. We don't even need them. So so that that was their thinking. The problem was, when you make an agreement, you make an agreement. So if, if everybody earned Supernova Elite in 2015 with the belief that in 2016 they're still going to have it and it's still going to be worth what they expected it to be worth, they need yes. to, at least for one more year, keep it the same way. And then they could say, okay, for 2017, then it's changed, and if you, you, you know, and the, that's it. Because they were eliminating the program. So the, yeah. the, the all, the, all they needed to do, all they needed to do, was con- continue it the way it was for one more year, in 2000, that is for 2016, and be done. So that happened. Everyone was very mad. There were attempts at boycotts. The boycotts failed. They get, you know, nobody cared, and uh, yeah, and that was that. Money. And again, remember, too, Druff, at that time because I saw it myself on full tilt. There was a 1,000, 2,000 PLO going on with Phil Ivey, whoever the fuck else. I, I remember logging in and just watching these games. The amount of money getting thrown around, I'm just thinking to myself, this untapped money, like, someone's, like, not realizing the the amount of money that's just getting thrown around. Millions of dollars within an hour. It, it's not sustainable. Like, that's just not going to last. Sure enough, where the fuck is that? Well, what they Where's didn't the want, what, what, they, what, what they didn't want there were the... They, they realized that they were rewarding the wrong people. You know, every company tries to reward the, the best customers. They try to say if, if they try to say if you realize the whole system was not. Well, I'll, tell, I'll try to explain this here. The wrong by the wrong people. I mean, every company realizes that they need to do something for the best customers to keep bringing them back. So they, for a long time, the model was if you play the most, that means you rake the most, which makes you the best one of the best customers, which means they should give you the best rewards. Well, finally, Amaya realized, and correctly, they realized that these are not the best customers. They may be the most frequent customers, but they're beating all the fish. 
with the customers they really want are the ones who deposit and add money into the system. The people who are who are playing and winning money from the system are not doing them any good. So so they realize that they are giving the best rewards to the type of customers they don't even really want. So that's that's why they were changing things, and I understand that. But they just needed to keep what they were promising. So that, that's that's a year old that news. So we're going to go to the right now the current news that they made further changes to the program in 2017. So here, here's what's going on in 2017. Uh, there's going to be no more Supernova Elite. That's, that's going to be gone. That, that was announced a while ago. So that's that's it. Not only couldn't you earn it in 2016, if you had it before, it's gone. But uh, there, there's more to it than that. Uh, let me get to the details here. So do you play on one website now, or are you... Yeah, I, 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 well, I've been playing some on Ignition. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But but they what they did is... I voice and secret is, so I'm not going to... No, no, I've, I've been honest about where I play. I've, I've played on Ignition recently. I, took, I took, a little, took a little break, but I've been playing, as far as online, on Ignition. So the Supernova status, it used to be where once you earned it, you had it for the entire rest of the year, plus a minimum of two months the next year, even if you didn't play anymore. So if you, if you earned Supernova, let's say, in March... You could just shut down and not play another hand, and you would keep that status through the rest of the year plus the two months of the next year. Well, that, that's been done away with. Now Supernova is going why? to – why? Because they don't, they don't like that. They want, you to, they want you to be like a slave to playing. They want you to continue playing, 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 playing. They realize that, oh, once they got that, they don't really have to play as much. Right, so they don't, want, they don't like that yeah. anymore. So, they, so that's been done away with. That's, that stopped. So now if, if you earn Supernova, now you have to keep earning uh, – you have to keep earning uh, 10,000 VPPs, which are like the tier, tier credits, which you earn for you know, each raked hand. You have to earn 10,000 VPPs per month, and if you don't, then, then you lose it. So that, that, that's the end of that. So, so that means uh, if you don't, just like those other levels on there, now, that, now you're going to lose your supernova. So let's say you want to take a two-month break. I think it's weird that there's not... There's a lot of poker sites out there, and, and poker is obviously worldwide. It's international. Isn't there like you would think there'd be a, like a governing standard? No, no. There's there's nothing because they're, there's not real regulators. The regulators are a joke. So so the, and these well, are just promotions. They can they, yeah, it, it in their defense that, in their defense in their defense like they can do what standard. they want. In their defense they can they can oh, they can have whatever promotions they want. This, this at least isn't screwing anyone. This is just degrading rewards, and it, it's clear what way they're going. They're just trying to give fewer and fewer rewards to the active grinders there. So they, they've changed it to where the supernova, you have to keep re-earning it every month. And furthermore, they you know remember in 2015, you were able to get as much as a 68%, I think, in rake back, in effective rake back from being supernova elite and playing certain games. Yep. Now there's a cap on the rewards you can earn. At Supernova, the most you can earn is uh, 28%. That's the best you're going to get. In 2016, it was lowered to, to 30 Now it's even lowered further to 28%. Also, new thing, they, the, the rewards points used to be called FPPs. VPPs were used to keep track of your status. FPPs were, were things you could actually spend and, and get rewards with. They were cha- they, they renamed FPPs to call, be called Stars Coin, and that, that's already been done. But Stars Coin now will expire after six months of not playing. So if you if you don't play for six straight months, even if you have like a million Stars Coin, they take them away. Now the the regular money in your account will stay, 
But let's say let's say you have a million stars coin that you've been hoarding for all this time to spend on mm-hmm. something big, and but then and then you have three thousand dollars sitting in your account, and then you don't play for six months. Mm-hmm. Well, when you log back in, your three thousand dollars will still be there, but the stars coin will be zero, which is really annoying because those are really worth something. So that was the edge, right? Like you know, you pay or play like a million hands. That's basically the edge. That's the extra one percent or two percent that you need to kind of push yourself. Well, yeah, it could be. That's the point. So, so don't leave stars coin in your account if you're going to go inactive because they will expire. It's it's kind of similar to airline miles. It's very. Yeah, I'm going to tell you guys a story here about uh, about airline miles. What happened to me? Um, I had miles on United. And I, I had, yeah, I had probably about three hundred thousand miles there. I hadn't used yet, and I, I was looking to possibly use them for a trip. This has happened a few months ago. Looking to possibly use them, and I logged into the United Airlines site, and I found that my miles were a big. The Zero. number of miles I had were a whopping. Zero point. Zero. That's what I, I had. Zero miles. I said, "What? What the hell happened here?" <laughs> so I found out what happened was my miles expired, and the reason Jewish they expired. And you know why that happened? Because you didn't have a big face. You didn't have a a, a picture of you, like your your status symbol. Dress. Well, no, it was actually because I I I, I, I I left a. I, I canceled my United credit card. I didn't need it anymore. And, That's bullshit. And so, so when I did that, it, it stopped protecting my miles so that so miles could expire, which I didn't realize that canceling the credit card did that. So I was down to zero. So I had no activity in 18 months, and, and they canceled uh, and they, they zeroed my miles. So I was like, oh, shit. So then I... I I, I, then it's, I went on their website and it says you can get back your lost miles. Said, oh, good. So I thought maybe I had to pay like a thirty dollars fee and get them back. No, uh, it was going to be like like two thousand bucks to get them back. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I called them up and I said, is there any other alternative? So they're telling me these other alternatives. You know, I have to. Uh, I, I can get. I can get the credit card again, and then I have to spend a certain amount in a certain amount of time, and then I got to pay a fee. And I was like, this is such a freaking pain in the ass. And then, well, I. I, hold on, hold on. I, I, I found something. Sorry, yeah. I, I found a way around it. I found how to get my United Miles back. Uh, it United has partnerships with other companies, like rental car companies and other restaurants and other things where if you link to the United Mileage account you have, that whenever you go to these other businesses, you'll get miles. So if you went to one of these businesses during a period of time, where you know, where had you gotten the miles, your miles would not have expired. They will fix it for you and then retroactively f- change it to where, if your miles should not have expired because of that, then they won't expire. So, I realized that I went to Hertz. I rented a car from Hertz in Halifax, Nova Scotia, in September of 2015, and uh, so I I called up Hertz, and I said to them. You know, I, I forgot to give you my United Mileage number, which, which in reality I hadn't forgotten. I just didn't even realize they were a partner. But I thought you forgot right, to give me yeah. the United Mileage number. I, I forgot to give it to you. Can, you know, can you guys post it for me? So it turned out it was a big hassle. It wasn't just as simple as calling them. I had to submit this form and, and supposedly wait 12 weeks. And I was like, oh, my God, this is not. <laughs> this is never going to work. Now I have but, to hear why you were in Halifax Law Place. Well, no, it was part of a, it was part of a, it was part of a cruise. Okay. Yeah. No, actually, I thought Halifax was nice. DJ Chaps lives there, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He 
He definitely does, and that's yeah. why he's going to stay there. Yeah, he probably will stay. He, he probably will stay there his whole life. So, Shout so, out DJ Chap. Yeah. So 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 anyway, I, I rented the car in Halifax, and it was a cheap rental too, especially with with the with the Canadian dollar going down like it did. So yeah. So it was wow, a cheap rental for me. I think I think it was like a I think it was like a thirty dollar rental, but but that thirty dollar rental saved me because I was able to have them give me my like my thirty points that I earned from it, which then killed my inactivity. At that point, then my account was not inactive for eighteen months because you know September two thousand fifteen was not eighteen months ago. So it it just it changed everything and. As it was a pain in the ass getting Hertz to fix this because you had to go through these departments and they weren't responsive and I had to keep hassling them. But but once they yeah, once yeah. they got it done, then instantly my United Miles returned. So I got all my 300k United Miles back and I was thrilled. So Do you realize how often people like you get fucked without realizing it. Oh, it happens or all the maybe time. They do and they just kind of like, eh, it's not worth my time. Yeah, that's what happens. That's what usually happens. Yeah, that's what. Uh, I can say myself, it, it's happened to me a few times. I just. You just kind of like you're just like oh, I just don't want to bother with. Yeah, that's what happens. Or people like they, they just go on the website and say, "Hey, you want your miles back? It's two thousand yeah. dollars." Like, well, yeah. you know, three hundred thousand miles is worth more than two thousand dollars. So, okay, fine, I'll do it. Like that's a, that's what people think instead mm-hmm. of instead of like really searching it out and seeing if there's a way to beat it. Which I, I th- and the, what I do is completely legal. Like I I, I really did absolutely. I, I really I and I really did I, I really and did rent I did really did rent at Hertz and I really did uh, I really was qualified for those miles and i really did have the ability to give them my united number after the fact and have them like everything i did was within procedure you just had to know to do it yeah yeah absolutely so okay so so anyway the that's that's the way it's changed and that's just keep that in mind uh, if you're going to play on poker stars don't let your stars coin sit for six months if you're not going to play for six months make sure to cash them out in some way and it's too late well i i've played on a lot of different sites and like just listening to you has made me realize like how much leftover pennies i will say that are just scattered around instead of consulting and here we, we, we have uh, we, we have a comment about you trip counter that's not that's uh we have a complaint you want to hear the complaint Oh yeah, bring it on. Bring Here, on. Here's a complaint from from one of the people who is uh, listening right yeah, now. Who is it? Who is it's that? someone. I'm not sure if they want to be named, but they're in, they're in uh, Europe. Oh, oh, they're in, they're in Europe, and they they messaged me. Snap this clown off clean. He interrupts too often. Really? <laughs> so that, that someone is is unhappy about I'm it. I'm sorry. They, they think there's too much in. Now, did you drink tonight? I, I I'm always drinking. I drink twenty four seven. That's the only reason I, I stay uh, sane. You have no idea what's like living in southern Ontario. You you see what's happening in fucking your country. Can you imagine amplified a thousand? You know, Trump mania, which went on in your country. Wait, what I'm but you realize? I, but you said when you're coming on tonight, you're not going to be drunk this time. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I'm I'm just uh, no. I, I'm I'm pretty good. Was that bad guy that sent that message? No, it wasn't bad guy. He would have been more profane about it. All right. Why? Do I sound... Uh... There, there have been some interruptions. I'll, I'll, I'll give the guy that. The, the, I'm the, sorry. The complainer I'll, I'll says that. I'll try to be more considerate. Okay. So, so the uh, by the way, Flipper Fair in the chat, he's not criticizing you, but he's saying that uh, he wants closure to the story about, uh, presumably, about Isaac Tucker, that he wants... He says, call a casino and ask if they're aware of the trouble that iNinja's having. Yeah, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Though it is like total middle of the night in all these places. Yes, and I would say it's a prime time to like try to get closure on 
any people that have wronged you in the wrong way. <laughs> well, I won't be pr- I won't be pranking anyone. We'll just be calling a casino that you know that's it's open, but it's just uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So let, let's see here. Uh, what should we call? Um, you know what? Let's let's call it the Horseshoe Council Bluffs. It's it's not a bad idea. Let's. I, I like making these cold calls out of nowhere. So we're gonna we're gonna call up the the Horseshoe Council Bluffs. Yes, and also can I add one thing, Trust? Yeah. You would have cut me off if I was being a, a, a dick uh, psych commentator. You would have cut me off or silenced me. Or- well, I, I I don't know. It's uh, tonight. I have a tonight. I have a lower. St- uh, right, well, I, I have a uh, not as itchy trip, trigger finger because there's no one else around here. <laughs> it's uh, the trough trip counter show tonight. Well, if so. I if I get rid of you, there's nobody left. It's just me. So, well, yeah, th- then well, I'm lonely. Okay, that's that's. Uh, now now you, you do have to be quiet during this uh, this phone call, though. I will be quiet. Okay. We're calling the Horseshoe Council Bluffs. Thank you for calling Harris Casino Hotel in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Please choose from the following options. If you know your party's extension, press 1. Mm. For STIR Concert Cove information, press 2. To make a new hotel reservation, change an existing reservation, or inquire about rates, press 3. To contact a guest in the hotel, press 4. For restaurant information, press 5. For restaurant reservation, She sounds very Midwestern. For the operator, press zero. Thank you for calling Harris Council Bluffs. Your call may be recorded for quality assurance. I thought it was Horseshoe. What's this Harris nonsense? I thought it was Horseshoe. Bus operator, Jesslyn, how may I help you? I had a kind of Nigel Fabersham here. Um, I'd like to speak to uh, the poker room, please, if you don't mind. Yes, sir. I don't mind it. I'll transfer you now to the poker room. Anything else I can take care for you? Uh, Tally how pip pip. Let's go on with it. Yes, sir. Enjoy the poker room transfer now. Thank you for choosing here as council bus. How did she keep a straight? <laughs> Hello, what? Um, poker room. I had a kind of Nigel Fabish. I'm here. Um, I, I'm calling about the uh, the I Ninja Poker Tournament that you guys just had here about um, uh, last week. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All right. Um, are you aware of the fact that the I Ninja Poker t- uh, League has been having uh, difficulties with? Um, yeah, there, there was a uh, uh, some of the pros involved with it were putting out uh, a document that was accusing the the owner of the I Ninja Poker Leagues of uh, malfeasance. Are, are you aware of this these controversies surrounding it? No. Uh, what what is your position here? Are you some sort of manager? Or are you just uh, answering the phone? No, I'm just managing the phone, not manager at all. All right, all right. So, um, is there a manager I can speak to, please? Uh, he's not working right now. Uh, bollocks. So, he's, so what you're saying is that they, uh, th- there's no manager in the room. It's just um, at this time of night they just have someone to hold down the fort, essentially. There is a manager, but it, it, he's just a table game, not manager poker. The manager poker, he usually works from noon to 8 in the uh, morning. Bollocks. All right. All right, well, yeah, if uh, you can call back like around noon, or or you want me to give him your your phone number? Well, here's the problem. I'm, I'm calling from England, and I, it's eight hours later. It's actually not not quite eight hours. It's, I guess it's six hours in the year. But um, you know where I am right now. It's it's uh, it's nine in the morning, and it's it's if this is the time I'm up bright and early. But if if by the time you said he comes in at noon. Yes, he's so, coming see, at noon. At noon, it's going to be 6 o'clock for me in the, in the evening, and my my wife's going to be bringing me supper, and I'm going to be having a, a, a liver dinner, all right? And uh, 
I'm, I'm going to um, I'm going to have my scones afterwards, and you know, I'm not going to be quite in the mood for this type of phone call at that time. This is the time of day I get my business conducted. All right, so so um, I guess what I'm going to have to do is just. Uh, uh, I, I guess after the, I guess after I eat the liver and before the scones, I can perhaps squeeze a colon. You know, afternoon your time. So I think I'll do that. So um, all right, uh, very well. Uh, as far as you know, the uh, the did the Iron Ninja Poker Tournament uh, turn out well? Did everything go okay? Uh yeah. All right, so it all went swimmingly. There was no controversy. No so, sort of um, people aren't um, getting the seats they won or, or, or that sort of thing. Nope. Uh, all right. Well, I'm glad the whole thing worked out. All right, uh, tally ho, pip pip. Let's get on with it. Okay. All right. Okay. So she can't tell us much. He'll have to call after his liver dinner. That's the problem. I, I knew that would happen. She's it, so fucking checked out. <laughs> she was. Che- she was so checked lot. out. She, she was. She was really out of it. It was this. Her brain just went, you know, deadline. Well, let me tell you, it, it's hard. So it's three in the morning there, and. These these employees, you you just uh, you just assume that at three in the morning, if you're working at that time, that those are totally normal hours for you and you're fine. But the truth is, it can be hard, especially if you have children and the children have to keep normal hours, and it, it can be I hard. Think you're overestimating people, Druff. Like you were actually like you you did well the first. You got through the first tier, you know, like hey, like I need to talk management. The second you got to the second tier, like she just does not have any. Recognition above, you know, someone spilled drug on me, sexual harassment. Like he, she just didn't acknowledge anything above. Well, I, well, here, look. I think, I think she's just probably tired. She may have kids that are up during the day, and then she has to, <laughs> then she has to go to work all night, and then she has to drive them to school and try to catch like a short amount of sleep between the time that they they're at school and they, they, and she has to pick them up. It, it can be a tough life there, and at three in the morning, it can kind of be like. Uh, Life. Well, it, it can be. It, that's, that's it, listen, another casino. it can be tough to get to get through. No, I, I think just we'll get the same thing. They're not going to have the A team working at uh, three in the morning. I think you were just way too sophisticated for it. Honestly, you were just way too good. You 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 should have dumbed it down a bit. No, nah, we, we got we got all we could out of her. I, I'm convinced we got all we could. Okay, so let's uh, let's see here. We got uh, the. Let's go to a uh, story about former Amaya CEO David Bezoff attempts to acquire the company, which is surprising. We thought we, I thought that was going to be it for Bezoff after he. Who the fuck is that? Well, he he's someone who he used to be the CEO of Amaya, who owns Poker Stars. Oh. Here, hold on. We we have we have a caller. We have a caller uh, in in the spirit of Nigel Faberge. Caller, you're on the air. Hello. 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 So, so uh, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is a rare uh, UK-friendly live show that's uh, on at a time more convenient for you. That's right. Well, what happened is um, <laughs> normally I um, get home from work about one o'clock in the morning, put on Poker Fraud Alert, ready to hear the radio about half past two, three o'clock, and then um, obviously found out it was being delayed, fell asleep. Thought nothing of it, and then woke up to the sounds of Amadeus. <laughs> so, so uh, you 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 thought it was on earlier, or what, what, why was it on? No, no, I I I went to the page, realised it was on later, but foolishly, I normally use this as a, a sleeping aid. Oh, I see. So, um, so you just left it on there, and then it was quiet. Yeah, it was quiet and the next for thing hours. You know, it gets to about 
half seven, eight, and I'm thinking, what's that? What's that? And um, it's bloody Amadeus going off in the background. Oh, okay, okay. So, so now so, I'm up. You know what? I thought I'd um, call in and represent the UK. Okay, well, you know, you actually made me dump uh, Chip Counter because you know, I, I appreciate Chip Counter's effort here and that he was uh, up with me all night here, but uh, he, he was starting to interrupt you when you were talking. Well, to be fair, it was due. It was due. He meant well, but he did interrupt a lot. Yeah, he did interrupt a lot. So I, I, but no, when he interrupted you, I couldn't. Uh, I, I had to drop him. Yeah, well done. You made a good choice. <laughs> so, I right, so got to let the caller say something. So, I, I had a long leash tonight, though. You know, I appreciated Chip Counter's uh, uh, willingness to keep me company here and, uh, and and comment on things. But uh, he he sounds like he's pretty smashed, to be honest. He's, yeah. He, does, think, does my um, audio sound okay? Oh, you sound great. You sound like you're in the same room as me. Oh, good. Because I'm only just using a laptop. I've not got a headphone on or anything or a headset. Really? That's a, it's a quality microphone you got there. Oh, excellent! Oh, good. I, I usually well, I usually discourage this. I usually tell people don't call with the internal microphone, but it, it's working. Oh, good. And do you mind if I just sort of sit here quietly, listen to the show, and butt in every now and again? Well, you, you know, there's oh, oh, you want to butt in? I was going to say you know, there's a call to listen line, but uh, yeah, sure, you can, uh, you you can, you can uh, try your hand at the co-hosting here too. Well, and, every, there's been quite a few topics going on. I might have something in. You've obviously got the which I won't rehash the whole Donald Trump thing. We had the Brexit thing. So there's lots going on. So, um, yeah, I'll just sit here quietly, and every now and again, if I think I've got something I can add, I'll butt in. If not, you do your stuff. Yeah, and I see your name here, but what what name do you want to be known on the show as? Uh, well, it, I'm occasionally post on Nutty007. Oh, you're Nutty007. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I occasionally um, post. Not that often. I'm more of a voyeur, but I, I do like the... Um, the radio. I wasn't even sure. I wasn't even sure you were. I wasn't sure you were still around. I, I thought you may have just disappeared. Oh no, no, no! I've been here for a long time. I just okay. seldom post. You know, a lot of the people who just like haven't posted in ages, I just assume they're gone, and some of them aren't. So okay. Uh, so anyway, no, uh, what, like what, a dog, it's not just for Christmas. Yeah. Well, so what, welcome, uh, welcome to the show, and and you you really sound good. It's amazing that you're all the way in the UK, and you sound like you're like right here next to me. Oh, good. Excellent. So so. Like like a Skype to Skype thing, like you're calling it through Skype. Those yeah. sound so clear compared to the phone, where the phone it it, it sounds like a, a phone caller on the radio. So like Chip Counter was on the phone, and yeah, you, know, you could hear him fine. It uh, but uh, the Skype to Skype is much closer. So before I would continue, let's let's throw on another caller. This is a caller from the seven three four. Hello. Hey, I just want to say thanks for cutting that drunk guy off. <laughs> okay, so who is this? This is uh, Sisop. Oh, Sisop. Okay. Yeah. Well, All right. have a good ha- have a good show. That guy was way too drunk. Yeah, he he was a little too drunk. Okay, thank you, Sisop. All right, bye. Okay, so Sisop's co-host. So I'll give Sisop credit. He was never drunk when he was on the show. He was uh, he was sober. But yeah, you know, I I remember I, I've had other people co-host here when they were drunk, and they think they are coherent, and they think they are. Uh, they think it's sounding differently than it's really sounding. So that's uh, and that happens a lot when you get drunk to a lot of people that they tend to interrupt a lot and they they don't have as much patience. So anyway, we'll, we'll give uh, Nutty a chance here to uh, to be the second half of the show's co-host. Thank and, you. You're welcome. And uh, so okay, here, here's let, let's talk about the thing that's going down with with Amaya. This is a, such a strange story because I, I really think thought Bezoff was gone. And Bezoff 
is is trying to make a comeback. So he was a for, he's the former CEO of Amaya, which is the company that bought Poker Stars from the Scheinberg family who founded it. And Amaya had very suspicious beginnings. It, it was originally like a tanning salon of all things, and then it, it rose up to be a gaming company, and it was associated with a lot of the shady sites that that rip people off at some point. There's a lot of bad history to Amaya that wasn't really known when it bought Poker Stars because it was operating under various names, and then it turned out some insider trading allegations popped up involving Amaya and and David Bezos specifically, and, and relatives of his, and uh, eventually he had to step down. He resigned his position earlier this year. So now he's making a comeback, as reported on FlushDraw.net by Haley Hintz on November 14th. David Bezoff has made an offer on behalf of some kind of investment group. He hasn't said which group it is, but an investment group that wants to take the company and actually make it private to where it's no longer a publicly traded company. And he is offering a price of $24 uh, Canadian per share, which is about 30% more than the company's current market price right now. So uh, a, f- a few other details uh, are available. Uh, now the company says Amaya also confirms that the offer provides for two hundred million U.S. dollars to be deposited into escrow upon execution of a definitive agreement in respect to a of a potential transaction that would be converted into a one-year structurally subordinated interest-bearing debt obligation to fund a portion of the $400 million deferred purchase price for Amaya's acquisition of the Rational Group in August 2014, uh, such amount to be convertible into equity following the closing of such potential transaction. That, that's very simple. I, I, I'll, I'll admit to you I have no idea what all that means. <laughs> so I probably if I read it like 10 times, I'd figure it out, but... Uh, I, I just reading that quote right now. I have no clue what that's supposed to mean, but but it, to, to me it sounds like that that there's going to be two hundred million dollars deposited into escrow in, in relation to this whole transaction that they're t- attempting to do. Uh, so the offer uh, th- this offer is really strange, given that Bezov resigned as CEO because of this insider trading allegation, and now he wants to buy the company. He does still own about 12% of current Amaya, even though he's no longer the CEO. And he did make a previous offer, if you guys remember, to buy the company, but uh, that was seen as probably just BS to raise the stock price. And it worked, actually, but uh, that was while he was still CEO. And he, he after he left the company, that was when he dropped that whole idea of, of, of trying to buy it. So this could bring problems for poker stars if he is successful with this investment group in buying the company. And that is, of course, because he's under investigation for insider trading. And uh, there's the matter of how poker stars will be looked at in U.S. jurisdictions where they are attempting to get licenses to operate. Like they already have one in New Jersey to operate 
the New Jersey State Poker Room that's uh, associated with uh, Resorts Casino over there. So you can play Poker Stars New Jersey against other New Jersey people over there. The big prize in the U.S. state markets is California, and there's been an ongoing battle whether Poker Stars should get a license in California for what may or may not eventually be the legalized online poker market in California. That's been long discussed, long uh, debated. Poker Stars has been the sticking point, whether they get a license or not. There's been there's a pro Poker Stars faction, there's an anti Poker Stars faction, but the anti Poker Stars faction is going to have a much stronger case if based off the insider trader comes back into the picture and takes it a prominent role in Amaya if, if uh, and and becomes a bigger owner there as well. I think it would be a very short sighted sort of view to uptake by bringing him back into the fold. I mean, it's a very delicate situation out there as it is with having years of unregulated poker and now slowly going from state to state. I can only see this sort of hurting the cause. Yeah, and uh, I think it would be a, a big mess. I mean, to, to bring him back in after I, I thought he was resigning, and he was kind of he was kind of acknowledging that he can't really hold that type of position effectively anymore. If uh, it'll make the company look terrible, given the allegations against him, that he has to step back and fight this. And if somehow he beats the allegations, then maybe he can come back. But in the meantime, he's got he's got to resign. And now he's like, okay, well, this is all still going on, but hey, you know. My investment group's just going to buy the company, and then, then I can be whatever I want. So that's that's really going to hurt Poker Stars if, if I think if he rises back up into a position of power there. And uh, so this this could be a hiccup here, and this could really give ammo for those that are trying to prevent Poker Stars getting a license in in California. So I'm sure the Indian tribes that hate Poker Stars in California, and for those of you who don't know. The reason some of them are anti-Poker Stars is because the ones that are not going to be using Poker Stars as their software are feeling like they're at a big disadvantage because Poker Stars has the best software and the best brand recognition. They're afraid whoever doesn't have a Poker Stars room is going to get crushed in California once it is legalized. And they're right. They probably will get crushed. And it is, I've agreed with them that it is kind of unfair that Poker Stars had all these years to have a head start in the industry while operating illegally. And now that's why they're the biggest room. That's why they're the most recognized. That's why they have the best software is because they had all those extra years that these other companies did not have. And and they're arguing, look, they, they shouldn't start out with the edge for that reason. So there's been an ongoing debate in California whether this should be allowed. The ones on PokerStars' side are the ones that want to run the PokerStar software. So this, this is definitely going to give ammo to the other side if this comes to pass. It, this is currently just an offer. It actually hasn't happened yet. It may not happen, but that is what is being offered at the moment, and I can't think that's a good future for the company in any way if that's what happens. So a little surprising to see this going on, but David Bezoff with his history, you, you can't count him out of anything. Let's see what i got next here on the agenda. Let me take a look at the chat room before we go. I'm going to look at the chat room. I'm going to look at my text. Let's, let's take a little break here. So, uh, oh, so Lou Father wants you to say governor one time. Governor. Okay, very good. That was, <laughs> that was a good request. Good job, Lou Father. Uh, let's see here. Now there's fighting in the chat room where Chip Counter is, uh, he says, I like Todd, but I am in fact very drunk, so if I sound like a fucking retard, well, retard on. 
<laughs> he said, I didn't get to talk about the topics I wanted to. I, I don't know what he wanted to talk about. He, uh, uh, and Jay Stat said, Chip Counter's ignorance of the subject was a little tilting, but okay as a co-host. Yeah, I thought that too. So I, like, I, I felt if he knew more about the subjects we were talking about that, that he could have uh, been more insightful. But he, he, he was, it was a combination of, of drunkenness and he didn't know some of the subjects. And in fact, the first subject was funny. We got to the end and he didn't understand what we were talking about the whole time. So. Yeah, he basically needed a half-day refresher course on what happened on PFA over the last two and a half, three years. And then he would have been all right. That's As right. Was, that's right. He that's right. He did start off with like a. I, actually, that was my. That was I felt the best part of the segment with him was at least he was remembering all the stuff that had happened in the past and wanted an update. So I, I gave a little update to everything. So I, I thought that part was okay, even though it was kind of unscheduled and unexpected. But uh, yeah, maybe that, you should at Christmas time do a Christmas reminiscing show. Yeah, and probably, cover some old topics for the next few hours, and people can call in and talk about the good old days and all that. Yeah, you know, I probably should because you know what? What, what else is a Jew going to be doing on Christmas? Exactly. Okay, he's uh, ship counter is very angry. He's actually saying in chat, uh, "Shut up, Brit faggot." Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, so okay, let's uh, let's move on here. What let's see what else I got on the agenda. Uh, oh, the New Jersey proposition to expand the gaming outside Atlantic City. So I remember when I first heard about Atlantic City. I was a kid, and I I had heard about my grandmother who would go there. And my grandmother, uh, being a, a cheap Jewish grandmother, this is what she would do. They had these offers that they would aim at senior citizens to take a bus from wherever she lived in New Jersey to Atlantic City. And they were they actually offered them like twenty dollars worth of quarters to go spend in the slot machines. And and it was a free bus. So it was a free bus and they give you like twenty dollars worth of quarters. Now, first of all, the, the twenty dollars were worth a lot more than those days. I think it was twenty dollars. It was it was something around that. But it was worth a lot more than those days. And uh they what they were hoping is you'd spend that and then and then lose it and then you reach into your wallet and pull out your own money, which I guess it must have been lucrative enough because they did this, and it was it was like a bus full of old people that would come down there. They'd give them their quarters, they'd go play, and then they'd hope they'd go spend money beyond that. Well, my grandmother didn't just only spend the quarters. She like she'd go there, she'd put like one quarter in a slot machine and pull it, and then just take the rest of the quarters and use it to to go to go to eat and and uh, yeah, whatever else she wanted to do there. She'd spend the money in Atlantic City on the boardwalk. She would just use this as like a free twenty dollars to take the trip, and uh, so she she would do this. I don't know how often, but she took this bus sometimes over there. But that, that was the, like, my mom was telling me about this, and I wasn't, I said, I thought gambling's only in Nevada. And she said, no, in the, on the East Coast, they have Atlantic City, which is the only other place you can gamble in the U.S. And this is before all the Indian casinos and stuff, that, that all came later. So, she explained to me that Atlantic City, is a place you can gamble in New Jersey. So I said, oh, it's, so New Jersey like Nevada where you know, all the cities people can gamble, all the cities they have slot machines. No, 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 she said. Only Atlantic City. The rest of the state, it's illegal to gamble. I thought that was so strange, even as a kid. I, I guess I was probably like 10 years old having this discussion with her. I, I thought that was a really odd thing. And uh, as I got older, I, I still thought it was kind of an odd thing. And And really today, as far as I know, even though gambling of some sort is in every single state except two of them. The only two states in the nation that don't have any kind of gambling are Utah and Hawaii. 
every other state has some kind of gambling. Mostly Indian gambling, but, but every state has some kind of gambling. But the only one I know that restricts gambling to one city that isn't having to do with it being Indian land is New Jersey with Atlantic City. And New Jersey, it's not a huge state geographically, but it's not a tiny one. So in, in the East Coast, there's a, a mixture of kind of medium-sized states geographically and, and very small ones. So there, there's a very small ones like Delaware and, and Maryland and, and Rhode Island. But then, then you have New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Those, those are all bigger geographically, so it takes some time to drive between them. So if you live in like northern New Jersey, which is considered more of like a suburb of New York City, it takes some time to get to Atlantic City, like two and a half hours by car, and that's if there's not a lot of traffic. So uh, th- there's been some push to you know, maybe have gambling in northern New Jersey and have casinos there, which would be huge because that would be serving the New York market. And then those casinos wouldn't just be getting northern Jersey people, but also uh, people from New York City who want to come gamble. It's It's very close by. So... There was a proposition on the ballot to expand gambling outside of Atlantic City. And the proposition did not pass. The voters overwhelmingly said they did not want it. It lost uh, 2.2 million votes to 633,000 votes. More than three-quarters of the voters did not want to see casino gambling expanded outside of Atlantic City, which is interesting. I guess they they just don't want it. They've got used to no gambling in their communities. They don't want it. They only want it there. Uh, The gambling in, in New Jersey began in 1976. Casino gambling was approved in that year, 40 years ago. 56.5% of voters said yes that year in in a proposition. And it legalized the construction of casinos in New Jersey, but only in Atlantic City. And that really was the Las Vegas of the East for a while. And then they started to have competition. Casinos in Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and even in New York have popped up. And people who were closer to these other casinos or ones who did not like the general ghetto atmosphere of Atlantic City. Atlantic City has always been a bad neighborhood, so that's that's also been a draw against it. So there's been some rebellion against Atlantic City, and people just find it more convenient if they live closer to these other casinos, to where Atlantic City has been in a big decline. There's been closures there. So this is an attempt to kind of fight that and also maybe bring some revenue in for the state, because it's it's going down every year due to Atlantic City's decline, so they thought maybe getting some northern Jersey casinos could really bring in some revenue for the state, but people didn't want it. People did not want it. So, I don't understand why, historically, gambling is such an issue in America. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people view gambling as, as seedy and shady and that it brings a bad element in town, and, and people are afraid that if it's too close to them, that that bad element will be where they are. They A lot of them like the ability to drive to it and then leave it and not have it be in their backyard anymore. So that's that's the belief. I'm not saying it's necessarily true. I, I always felt that this should be, you know, it, it is up to the states, but I, should, I felt it should also be up to 
the particular counties. I, I would support every state, and yeah, I, I do think it should be up to the states, but I, I would say that every state should make casino gambling legal and not just on Indian land. I think the Indian land thing is BS, and a lot of times uh, big corporations take over there anyway, and, and like a few Indians get really rich, and the rest of them don't do very well, and the casinos get get rich, you know, the corporations get rich that run the casinos on their land. So it, it's not working as intended. I, I think that really every state should legalize it, and then every county or city should decide, do we want this here? Because I think some would and some wouldn't. Some of them that uh, need the money and, and that don't mind having that in their in their town, in their, in their county, uh, will decide to say yes, and other counties will say, no, we don't want this here. And, and I think the will of the people in each county and in each city, they, they can decide that. And anyone who doesn't like it can move elsewhere. I think uh, it's not going to expand everywhere. There's not going to be a casino in every town at that point. But a lot of people are afraid of that. A lot of people are just afraid that it once the state makes it legal for it to be anywhere, that it will just expand out of control, and that greedy city governments and county governments won't be able to resist and will take it, and they'll picture it being like uh, like Nevada, where there's a slot machine or a video poker machine in every convenience store and in the airport, and they, they just don't want it invading life like that. They want it to be something you go visit on vacation, and that's it. So that's... That that's the concern that a lot of these people have. So, yeah, I always think it's odd because I, I would just expect it to be driven by basic supply and demand. And if people didn't want it, they wouldn't get the patrons, and therefore it just wouldn't exist. But to me, there's got to be a demand. I mean, it's fun. People love to gamble. Well, there, there is there is a demand, and and and. Uh Though I can understand the other side, because I'll, I don't know if it's like in the UK, but in the US, cities, city governments are very, very greedy. They, they really want to do whatever they can to extract the maximum money out of the people. They'll, they'll raise the, the price of traffic tickets to outrageous levels. They, uh, they find ways to make businesses pay, especially big businesses that move in, that make them pay outrageous fees. They, they find whatever way they can to extract money out of people. And... People are afraid that the they won't be able to help themselves, and even if the people of the city don't really want casinos there, that the cities will be too tempted, the city governments will be too tempted, and will bring them there anyway. So they they feel like the only way to combat this is just make it illegal at a state level. Yeah, but then that's also acting as a bit of a nanny state. It and is. It's basically saying people are not being held responsible for their own actions. It is, and that's why I, I would still. That's what I dislike because I just think well. Unfortunately, there's always going to be a small percentage who turn into degenerates and spunk all their money away and gamble and get into problems, blah, blah, blah. But that's like people who smoke too much, do too much weed, do heroin, do any sort of thing which is arguably forbidden. Some people just don't have that tendency for control, but that shouldn't punish the, the, the majority who do. Yeah, but I, th- I think the concern also is just of what element it brings in, even if they're not afraid, like, like, oh, if this comes in, I'm going to become an addicted gambler. They're afraid that, that there's going to be a, an increase of crime and, and of, of a general bad element around town that wasn't there before because of the casinos. So I, I can understand all that, but I think some cities will just reject it for that reason. I think that if you leave it up to the, the counties and cities, some will just say, we're not going to have gambling here, and then you can go live in those one of those places if you know there will be a demand to live in certain cities without gambling. Uh, I, I have to say, I 
you know, I, I can see the appeal to living in a city that doesn't have that, uh, to, to be away from that whole thing. But of course, being someone who, who has always been fascinated by gambling and, and always, uh, uh, enjoyed that whole industry. I, I would like it to be close by. Like I, I, I would be someone who, unless it became a big problem, would want to live in a city that, that had that. And uh, you know, that's- I know speaking. I know speaking from a UK perspective, where there's loads of casinos anywhere, and you know, even later on today, I'll be going downstairs to go to the bookies and place a bet or two. But the point is, it hasn't brought. Um, it hasn't sort of downgraded the area or brought in undesirables. It just, the way it is, it's, you know, it's just, once it's there and it's established, I think you find most people moderate themselves. Um, and the argument against having gambling, the fact that it would downgrade the area, bring in undesirables, from my perspective, I just don't see that. Yeah, well, it, it can happen, but... I, I don't know. Well, they they seem to definitely believe that in New Jersey. That's why I'm sure that's why most of the people voted it down. And also, people are creatures of habit, so they they get used to in New Jersey for 40 years. It's only been Atlantic City, and then I think also the way Atlantic City looks with all the crime and and all the the ghettos there. I think they see that and they get very scared that that's what their neighborhood is going to become. So I I I I see why they are feeling that way. I'm not surprised it lost so badly. Uh, See, here's some text we got from the 916 area. I've been listening to the show for the past one plus year and still never got the whole concept of the free roll. Is it just free money? So, yes, that's exactly what it is. The free roll, I'm surprised you haven't tried to play it yet. I guess, I mean, you're listening live now, but maybe this is someone who can only listen live late. This is 916, which is like the Sacramento area of California. But, actually, that's not really... yeah, I think it's kind of Sacramento. I mean, it, it was that whole area, but now it's 916 and 530. So anyway, b- back to this question. The free roll is a poker tournament you can play on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is a free money poker room, which runs off of PokerFraudAlert.com. It's it's a completely legal poker room because you can't buy into it. You, there's there's no way to lose money in it. The, the worst you can do is break even because you're not ever buying in. You only win money. All you can do is win money. There's no way to lose money in there. And the every time we have a radio show that's at a normal hour, which is most of the time, there's a free roll there to where you can play. And if you finish one of the top few places, usually top four, then I send you real money. And the top prize is usually around... Uh, yeah, forty dollars, fifty dollars, sometimes even more. Sometimes it'll be one hundred, sometimes it'll even be two hundred, depending on how much we get. The money is donated by the listeners to the show, and that's what we give away. We we tend to give away a minimum of of fifty dollars every week, but often it's more than that. So you can do that if you listen live, just play in the background, and yeah, it's it's real money. It's not money I give you on poker sites or crap like that. That'll be tough to cash out. I mean, money. I'll send you cash in the mail. If you want, I'll, I'll, I do bank transfers to people all the time. I send checks all the time. So I send Bitcoin. So this is real money you can win for free. There's no catch to it. There's absolutely no catch. There's nothing to buy. You can't buy into the room. That would be illegal. So I've, it's a only legal way to run this is to have it where it's all free, and you can win things. 
this is from the 202 who wants, uh, so it wasn't, it's not, it's, I hate when people do this. This is someone who sent me a text using a free texting service so I don't see their phone number. Like, why are you guys worried about this? It, the, the text I got is not even like a trolling text. It's it's a good text, actually. The person put, please call Running Aces, which has held several ninja iNinja events, and gave me a phone number for, for Running Aces, which is another casino. I, I would have done that, but I think we're going to get the same answer that we got from the other place, so I'm not going to bother. Uh, from the 734, now this this was uh, Sysop. Why did Brandon leave the show? Listening to the call to listen line, by the way, get this drunk guy off the air. <laughs> well, your your wish has been fulfilled. So this is the text we've gotten so far. Let's see what else I have here. I will confess that I, I was kind of tired before the show. I just kind of have a sleep deficit. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like doing the show tonight, but I don't want to let people down. i got to do it. Then I kind of even got more tired when I read Brandon's statement that he's he's leaving. Kind of just drained me of more energy. But then I, I got like a, a burst of energy. And that's why I didn't sound tired. And I'm starting to be a little tired again. So hopefully he won't show too much. But it is one. And thir- Brandon will be back as well. He, he probably will be. a little moment. But um, he's a little bit of a sensitive soul sometimes. <laughs> He'll be back. It is a good chance he will be. I, I, I've heard enough old shows in the archives of me saying that he's gone and not coming back. And, but every time I was I was putting the caveat that he probably will come back at some point, and I, I think that's the case here. Though I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does try to start his own show on here and sees how that works out. And I'll tell you though, you know, seriously, serious did a few shows of his own here. And after he did a few of them, he said, you know, I don't think I want to do this anymore. This is a lot harder than I thought it was. It's a lot harder to just get on and talk for hours. And and Brandon's done some very long shows. He, it's not like he's not going to be ready to do it. But he, at the same time, he may tire of it. Uh, he may decide after a few of them the novelty wears off. It's actually, it's not just hard to do the show. It's to come back week after week after week and just talk for hours, especially mostly on your own. Uh, now, now, if he really does have a sponsorship from poker stars that's great then uh then then he has a financial incentive to do it so okay uh the borgata this is our third east coast sorry this is our second east coast story the borgata is seeking over 15 million dollars from phil ivy due to what's known as expectation losses and i find this very interesting and i will explain to you what expectation losses are. And then you will understand. I didn't even know this is a concept. So what happened was Phil Ivey had a an accomplice that helped him win money at uh, Baccarat and uh, another game called Punto Banco at another casino in the UK, which is similar to Baccarat. And the way he did this was he had a an accomplice named Chengin Sun, who was an expert at seeing tiny flaws in the cards. And there were certain cards that were being used that, the, depending on the backs of the cards, they, they looked slightly different from the backs of other cards, and she could actually figure out which cards were which, which gave them a big edge. It was like almost like having x-ray vision. 
the average person couldn't do this. We, we talked about this on the show last week. You, not only do you have to have an amazing natural ability to do it, but you also need to practice. Even Cheng Yin Sun had to spend many, many hours practicing doing this before she could successfully do this in a casino environment. But she got very good at it, and they had a big edge, and uh, she she would have accomplices who would play with her, who would put up the money or who would be the more recognized high-roller gamblers that would be seen as uh, more likely to be betting this type of money. And they'd basically have a whole ruse that would convince the casino to turn the cards in a certain direction to where she could see it more closely, because if the cards are too far away, she can't see the tiny flaws. So they would trick the casino in the way of lying to them of why they need the casino to do different things, but the, the truth was the casino was doing what they were asked. So it's not like they were using any devices to cheat. They weren't using insiders of the casino to cheat. They were just saying to the casino, hey, can you do A, B, and C, because uh, you know, we're superstitious, we like it this way. And the casino's like, oh, okay. And they don't know why they're asking this, but they say, okay, and in reality, they're, they're asking this to, to make it so she can see these tiny flaws in the back of the cards. But as far as I'm concerned, that's an advantage play, and that's not something that should be illegal, and, and I feel that uh, Phil Ivey should have been able to keep, keep the money. It's, it's the casino's own fault for using cards like this that have this flaw and for agreeing to changes in, in the way that they deal them or where they put them just to satisfy some high rollers. They've always got to be careful when they make a change in the rules that it that there's not necessarily a reason for it that, that might end up beating them. And since there was, they need to just take their lumps and move on. But they didn't. So one casino in the UK called Crockford's just discovered this and didn't pay him. Another casino in the US, Borgata, which is in Atlantic City, they did pay Ivy and only discovered this later. So they want the money back. Now, Ivy, uh, so he he was suing Crockford's and lost, and Borgata is suing him to get the money back, and that's ongoing, but there was a, a ruling that was last week in New Jersey regarding the Borgata that was more favorable toward the Borgata than it was Ivy's side. And as, as part of last week's ruling, uh, uh, so, so the Borgata then has now outlined a new case that the that Phil Ivy should be held liable for a lot more than the nine point six million that he he won. So how can they ask for more money? How can they? Shouldn't the most they should be able to ask for be the amount that he won from them? How could they ever get more? I mean, yeah, you could say attorney's fees or something, but compared to nine point six million, that's got to be negligible. But that's not what they're asking for. They may be asking for attorney's fees too, but that's not what they're using to calculate the amount they want. They actually want. I, I was saying fifteen million. It's actually fifteen and a half million, and. That's not even including any interest penalties or legal fees. So what they want is an extra $5.4 million in expectation damages. Expectation damages are defined as what the normal house edge was supposed to be at that game. So they're not saying, they're not just saying, give us the money back. They're saying that we're supposed to have an edge of such and such per, you know, percentage per hand you play. And that's that's the normal house edge in, in Baccarat, and that's what we were expecting to have. 
So not, so we're feeling if if you just get back if you just give us back the nine point six million, then that was like uh, you know that that was like almost like a zero edge. But they're, they're saying that not only should you give us that, but you should you need to give us the extra money you would have lost had you been playing fairly on if you had average luck. They were trying to say that he would have lost another five point four million if he was playing like a normal player and not using this. Uh, trickery with the cards. Now, I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree a casino should ever be able to ask for expectation damages of what they would have won if this many hands are played. And there's several reasons for this. Number one, he just wouldn't have played. It's, it's not like that he was going to play Baccarat no matter what, but uh, you know, it happened to find this edge and, and exploited it. He was there because they had this edge. That's why they were betting this much money. That's why they, they were playing Baccarat at all. And so they, they can't say oh, expectation damages because the expectation, they would have had zero expectation because he wouldn't have played at all if they didn't have this edge. Number two is that he wasn't guaranteed to win. They had a big edge here, but he wasn't guaranteed. He still could have had very bad luck and lost. In fact, there's some allegations that Crockford's actually knew what Ivy was doing, but was hoping that he would lose anyway, that he would just have really bad luck and lose. So they, there were some allegations that Crockford's in the UK was free-rolling him to where they took the attitude of, okay, if we somehow get lucky and beat him, then great, we beat him and we keep his money. If somehow, if he beats us as, as we expect because he's got an edge on us, then we just won't pay him. So it's a free-roll. Either we win or we break even. So similarly... But he won. Ivy won nine point six million, but he also could have lost. And and if he lost, then you know he couldn't have gotten that back. He couldn't have said, "I've been playing an advantage. I want my money back." So if the Borgata gets back just the nine point six million, that pretty much became a free roll for them. To where had he lost, they would have kept it. But if he wins, they want all the money back. So that's already bad enough. But they actually want money on top of that. To where they want to be paid for whatever the expectation was that he would have lost in the, all the hands he played, which is ridiculous because he wouldn't have played if he didn't have that expectation. Plus, they're mass. I mean, to do what they did is insanely difficult. It's not something you can just go in and say, "Oh, I'm, g- I'm going to now look at the cards and the markings." It takes practice and practice, and only a few individuals would be able to do it. Um, they sort of want their cake and eat it. And also, they, they they didn't have to agree to these changes that, that move the cards closer to them. They can they can combat this in the future by just saying we're never move we're never changing where the cards are. They're just going to stay. That's the right. Way they, they can dictate the rules and what what's allowed and what's not. Um, but yeah, they, they chose to sort of indulge him and in some of his wants, and they would have been suspicious or no, but they would have probably done checks themselves and thought, well, there's nothing going on there. Yeah. So that's. I, I always thought that if the casino agrees to do – if you ask, can you make this rule change, and the casino says, yes, we will, as long as everybody's really doing what everybody says, which is what happened, then fine. It's it's uh, At that point, if they've screwed themselves, if you've tricked them into making a rule change that's detrimental to them, then that's their fault for agreeing to it. And I don't think that could ever be considered cheating. In my opinion, this is not cheating if you ask the casino, hey – I prefer you to change this rule, and then by changing this rule, it enables you to beat them by uh, by using your brain, which is really what she did. She was seeing flaws in the cards, and therefore using her brain 
Just like people, like blackjack players, for example, they would look, some of them would catch dealers who weren't working with them, but just incompetent dealers who would sometimes flash the cards as they were dealing or, or, or flash the bottom of the deck when they were holding it that way. So they, they would use these observations to their advantage. And I don't think it would be fair to arrest these gamblers and say they're cheating because they're seeing whole cards or they're looking for incompetent dealers who do that, provided that they're not in cahoots when they, with any of these dealers to purposely do that. But if these are just dealers who aren't good dealers and do this with everybody and they can just catch it with this particular dealer and take advantage of it, I, I, they, you know, I don't think that could possibly be considered cheating. So it's kind of like this here. They noticed there's a flaw with the cards. They found someone who could take advantage of that flaw. They convinced the casino to move the cards closer and turn them a certain way. Uh, I, I don't. I think you're entering a slippery slope if you're saying that players uh, always need to tell the, tr- the casino the truth about their motivations for why they're asking for something. I think that's very, very. Uh, I mean that that could be that could have terrible implications down the line. Like think of advantage players. Uh, you find a way to beat the casino in whatever way, and and when you come down and take all these offers of free play and free food and stuff that uh, the, the casino is expecting you're going to play, but in reality you just use up all the stuff and, and don't ever play. Or, or you find some game that has a, a better than 100% return and you play that and you win. Well, great! Yeah. What, they're going to hit you for expectation lo- uh, losses, expectation damages, because uh, they thought you were going to come down and play losing games and you played winning games? That's a very, very dangerous concept to establish. So... So that's that's what they're att- attempting to get from him. And it could just be they're just taking a shot with it that they don't expect that they're going to get it. But they they're saying that they believe they should have pro- profited five point four million in the eight thousand six hundred eighteen hands of Baccarat that Ivy and Chang Sun played in two thousand twelve, where he won this money. So. I think that not only is this a BS lawsuit, but I also think that this is a really lousy concept, this expectation damages. That, that's the casinos taking their house edge they've always had to an extreme to say that anyone who won money there that they feel is cheating also has to pay them for what that person would have lost. And I think that's a big stretch because, uh, again, they've... Ivy wouldn't have played there in the first place if he didn't have this edge. I mean, what if uh, what if there's a horrible game with a 50% house edge and someone finds a way to beat it somehow? That doesn't mean that if, if you catch them beating it that you can charge them the 50% house edge. I mean, where does this end? So I think it's a horrible thing they're trying to do here. But yeah, it's a battle back and forth. They're trying to get with the Ken out of Ivy and he's trying to beat them. And I don't know who's going to win. Now, there's questions of what if Ivy loses this, and what if he really does owe $15.5 million at the end of this whole thing. And I don't know how much money Ivy has, but some people are theorizing that that might bust him, that he can't afford that. Well, if that's really the case, and I don't know how much money Ivy has, but you know, how much more can he really have than $15 million? I mean, I doubt he has $100 million. I doubt he even has $50 million. So... He's seeking. You know, they're seeking over fifteen million from him. If I were Ivy, for that amount of money, I think I'd just ditch the country because uh, he's already holding this money—the nine point six million. 
they're going to want that plus another 5.4. And then plus another, I don't know how much for uh, maybe attorney's fees and all that. They're seeking 15.5 million. Actually, that's separate from the attorney's fees. I don't know. It's not adding up. He won 9.6 million. They're looking for 5.4 more, but that would be 15, not 15 and a half. But who cares? What I'm saying here is that uh, if if you owe some company fifteen million and you have fifteen million, rather than bust yourself from doing that, couldn't you just leave the country and live a very nice life for fifteen million dollars? I know I could. If someone if it put fifteen million dollars in my bank account, I I wouldn't have to make another penny for the rest of my life, and I'd live very well, very very well with fifteen million in the bank. So. That's what I would do if I were Ivy, and this was ruled against me. Now, Ivy may have ways to feign being broke when he's really not in order to beat this judgment, but you know, they, they can te- keep bringing him into court and asking him to prove his assets or lack thereof. And They can also, if he owes them money and claims he can't pay, they can also uh, do what Mason Malmuth did to Dutch Boyd and try to put holds on any tournament winnings that he gets. Now, I don't know if they can do this cross-state. I don't know if New Jersey can do this in Nevada. But, like, if they can, then he can just, whenever he cashes at the World Series, they could make Caesars hold it up, and they could keep the money for themselves. That's what Mason Malmuth did to Dutch Boyd when he owed Dutch Boyd 60000 or Dutch Boyd owed him 60000 from a lawsuit. So I don't know if, if Ivy is going to flee or, or attempt to hide his money if he loses this. Or maybe he's already making preparations. Maybe he's already making it look like he's broke. So if he loses this case and owes $15 million, or even if he owes $9 million, that he can make excuses why he won't pay. There's absolutely no way he's going to pay him $15 million quid. He will do something somehow, but that money's not getting paid. That's, I would think. I, I, I have to admit, it's hard for me to see he's just going to hand them a check for $15.5 million. Okay, now let's, let's, uh, I want to cover one more East Coast story, and then we can go to a UK story, and I'll be interested to hear from you what, what your experiences were with the situation. But let, let me talk about the last East Coast story. A, uh, there was a bust in the Brooklyn area of New York for a, a syndicate that was involved in high-stakes gambling, loan sharking, and even drugs. Here's what was going on. Uh, nine people were arrested. They were a member of a Brooklyn gang that was uh, accused of illegal drug trafficking, the operation of a high-stakes poker game, and uh, also loan sharking. This was known as the Eastern European Organized Crime Syndicate. Uh, first of all, I think they needed someone more creative to choose a name for them. <laughs> right? look, look at the gangs in uh, in L.A. that you know they're, they're picking names like the Crips and the Bloods. You know, those are catchy. Those are catchy names. Even uh, even some gangs just name themselves after the city, and it, it kind of works. Like like the Norwalk Gang in, in Southern California. Like it's, you know. Th- those you you can relate to in a way, but it doesn't really roll off the tongue. The Eastern European Organized Crime Syndicate—that's kind of almost what you think the government would call them. But that—that that was actually the name of this gang, the Eastern European Organized Crime Syndicate. And 
there's a uh, they also had direct ties to what they called the thieves in law which is a little bit more creative the thieves in law were were russians and there was a russian crime syndicate so there are nine people arrested and for whatever reason the documents in connection to the case they only named eight of the nine for some reason the ninth person was was redacted i don't know why all the men were residents of the areas of Brighton Beach and Coney Island in, in the Brooklyn area. They were charged with racketeering, extortion, loan sharking, illegal gambling, and drug trafficking. This arrest was the work of the Eastern District of New York's U.S. Attorney's Office, which is not the same as the Southern District, which was the cause of Black Friday. Or I shouldn't say the cause, but the catalyst of Black Friday. Uh... In the statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office in eastern New York, syndicate members in Brooklyn reported directly to members of organized crime known as Thieves of Law or Thieves based in various former states of the Soviet Union. The thieves would in turn help the defendants extort money from individuals living abroad and authorize the use of physical force by the defendants in the United States. And they said since... As early as March 2016, the defendants allegedly generated profits through their criminal acts to collect outstanding debts worth millions of dollars. They regularly used threats of violence. The syndicate's reach was international, included extorting payments in the U.S. and threatening victims and their family members living abroad. For example, wiretap recordings reveal that defendants tracked down the father of an extortion victim in Russia in order to determine where his son was living. After locating the victim, who, who defendants claimed owed syndicate members nearly 200000 uh, uh, the, the, uh one of the alleged criminals named uh, Leonid Gershman, not to be confused with Brandon Drexel Gerson, this is Gershman, uh, he announced, thieves have found him in Israel. They were at his place today. So... They would find family members of people who owed them money and threaten them in other countries. So they, they found out you have a dad in Israel, they'll, they'll send their associates in Israel to scare your dad that if you don't pay up the 200k you owe, they're going to kill your dad or beat up your dad. And you get very concerned. So you, you, You're you much more likely to pay up. Some, some people are, are willing to take a risk with their own lives if they stiff a loan shark. But then when they start getting the relatives threatened, that, that's a whole different matter. So that's what the U.S. Attorney's Office is alleging occurred here. Now those who were Named, who are arraigned this week, were uh, Leonid Gershman, 33, who was known as uh, Lenny G. Also, Lion Chick and uh, Leonlia. Alexei Tsetkov, 38, also known as Pelman, Lesha, and Leosha. Renat Yusufov, 38, known as Ronnie and Ronick. Igor Krugly, 37, who has no nickname. I guess guess he's just known as Krugly. Uh, Vyacheslav Malkiev, 32, known as Steve Bart. I wonder if he's named himself at uh, Steve Bartman, who grabbed that ball uh, at a Cubs playoff game and ruined the Cubs' uh, playoff chances back in that year. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. I have to say that Steve Bart is a much easier name to say than a Vyacheslav uh, Malkiev. Then there's a uh, Isak Aronov, who has no nickname. Yusuf Pardalov, who's 52, who's the oldest of this def- these defendants by a wide margin, known as Yosik, and Librado Rivera, 
aka Macho and Max. That guy sounds like he's Hispanic. Uh, but I guess the, I guess they're all uh, Russia Russian, except for that Sef, uh, that Svetkov, and he is uh, from the Ukraine. The men arrested face a possible maximum sentence of 20 to 40 years if convicted on all accounts, though they probably won't get that much. Now, what about the poker stuff? Uh, you've been hearing about the extortion. The, it, this is what the U.S. Attorney's Office stated. The government's investigation revealed that the syndication or the syndicate's members ran high-stakes illegal poker games in various locations in Brooklyn where a single game could invoke, wa- could invoke wagering totaling as much as 150000 So... I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're trying to say that there were certain hands where people went all in for 150k, or if the whole pot was 150k, or if the pots that were added up all together were 150k. It kind of sounds like they're trying to say that there were bets as high as 150k, but who knows? It's kind of hard to tell if that's true. So, DEA agent in charge, James Hunt, said the drug investigation path uncovered an alleged Russian organized crime syndicate operating in Brighton Beach and Coney Island. As history often repeats itself, racketeering, loan sharking, extortion, and illegal gambling are just some of the crimes the defendants are charged with committing here in Brooklyn, similar to crimes committed by the thieves-in-law in the former Soviet states. Today's arrests exemplify the effectiveness of the DEA's strike force. Is there really a strike force here in the in the Drug Enforcement Agency? They should make a movie called Strike Force. Coming this September, Strike Force taking down high poker high stakes poker games around the country. So yeah, this, this DEA Strike Force. It says where they're compi- comprised of federal, state, and local law enforcement from fifteen agencies. The NYPD worked diligently with law, with its law enforcement partners to take down this alleged criminal enterprise whose Brooklyn operation has significant ties overseas. These defendants operate, operated with impunity, threatening loan sharking victims with physical violence, trafficking large quantities of narcotics, and hosting high-stakes poker games. I want to commend the investigators for working this case for their dedication to taking down these persistent criminals. I actually believe all that. I actually believe these guys were pretty bad dudes. By the way, I got a message from the 805 really related to the uh, Phil Ivey stuff. He said, with edge sorting, which is what Ivey was doing, you have a 6.7% edge, which is damn good. Uh, yet Ivey played over 8,000 hands and ran about 500 million coin in, winning only 10 million. Was their technique imperfect or with cover plays where they're losing on purpose? I don't know, but I, I maybe it just didn't run that well. I mean, I, I see what he's saying here. If the if he ran $500 million worth of bets and the edge is 6.7%, uh, he should have won like you know, $40 million. So why do you only win 10? So again, it could have been uh, a number of things, including just good old-fashioned bad luck. It's hard to say you're unlucky when you won $9.6 million, but if that turns into a $5.something million loss because you got sued, that's pretty bad. So... Yeah, if you've played in Brooklyn, you probably haven't played at those poker games because I have to imagine they were for not just high rollers, but also maybe people who were involved with the whole drug trade there, too. But yeah, I I would never take loans from, even if I needed it, I would never take loans from people like that because if if you can't pay, then 
All hell rains down upon you. Those are people you don't screw with. Okay, so, uh, Nutty, you still there? Yeah, I'm going Okay, so let's talk about something in the UK. Uh, the spam gambling texts. Uh, there's, a, there's a crackdown there. So what's what's been going on is that uh, there's 400 gambling firms that have been accused of using and abusing customer data, promoting their gambling services. Uh, there's a regulatory body in the UK called the United Kingdom's Information and Commissioner's Office, known as the ICO. Have you heard of it? Yep. Okay. And it's uh, they the they publicize the new campaign. Uh, demanding that uh, these companies explain how they're using people's personal details and sending marketing texts. Now, as a gambler, have you received a lot of spam text messages advertising casinos? Yep. How many would you say you get uh, a week on average? Oh, only about, um, probably about one a week. Because that's not that bad. See, I I, I admit it's annoying, and I, I hardly get any spam texts. I get maybe once every few months, but I, I have to say that I was picturing people were getting inundated where like they get ten texts a day or something. Maybe, maybe I was picturing it wrong. Well, there may be that might be the case. I'm pretty. Um, I mean, a lot of the gambling I do is um, rather than doing it over the phone or online, I just go to the bookie um, because I like the experience of sitting in the bookie, watching the horses or whatever it might be, getting a bit of food, that sort of thing. Um, but generally, because we've got a you know, we're allowed to gamble pretty much anywhere, anytime, any place. We do have quite a few safety measures put in place already. So I'm surprised they've allowed the sort of spamming to take place. And I wouldn't be surprised if it gets very quickly stopped. Yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like they're trying to do. So, uh, so, so anyway, according to the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, the new initiative is aimed at increasing the uh, is aimed at stopping the increasing wave of, of all those uh, spam messages that are trying to advertise various online sites and offers and uh, the ICO is saying that sending those texts is an abuse of customers personal data that they shouldn't be collecting people's info and then spamming them without their permission. That the, you, know, you go to casinos and give them your info, that doesn't mean, okay, that's fine to spam me. It means uh, I'm just giving you my phone number, but don't abuse it, is what they're saying. And I agree. They said the increased, uh, so the increased uh, scrutiny by the I- ICO, uh, it comes after the UK Gambling Commission, known as the UKGC, that's announced plans to force the, the gambling industry in the UK to become more consumer-oriented. The, have you heard of the UKGC? Yeah, vaguely. I mean, all, all these sort of governing bodies or sort of pressure groups, all they're trying to really do is make sure that we do, if you like, responsible gambling. Um, and you'll see we have lots of adverts on the telly to do with gambling. But, you know, pretty much every other advert is to do with do your accumulator here and you'll get a free bet. Um, do this bet and it fails and you'll get a free bet. There's lots and lots of um, advertisement and sort of ram down your throat to go to particular sites because it's a massive competition. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to I'm going to steal one thing for you from you for Colonel Fabersham, where you're talking about adverts. I, I I talk about the telly sometimes as Colonel Fabersham, but I I haven't talked about adverts before. I'm going to have to take that. 
this, okay, is what, yeah. this, this is what's good about having like a real Brit on the phone with me, so I can pick these things up. But if you were to watch, you'll be surprised the number of well, you'll be massively surprised number of adverts on the telly um, about gambling, and it's Paddy Power, Bet Three Six Five, Ladbrokes, um, loads and loads of sites, um, and the incentives are normally always to do with. Um, getting a free bet if your initial bet fails. Yeah, I can imagine that's probably true. So, so anyway, the the uh, they also said is the public expect uh, firms to be accountable for how they obtain and use personal data when marketing by phone, email, or text. Uh, fail to be accountable, and you could be breaking the law, risking ICO enforcement, and the future of your business. And they're trying to scare these casinos into saying you. You screw with people's data like this anymore and spam them, then uh, we might even take your license. So, so penalties for ongoing and willful violations of of, of these mandates could be uh, a fine up to five hundred thousand pounds, which is currently like in, in U.S. dollars, like over six hundred thousand. So, the the agency also said that criminal prosecution of responsible individuals of, of violating these spam rules is also a possibility. So uh, the ICO is also investigating affiliates that offer uh, you know, links to sign up or sign up offers to service providers. So they're also going after affiliates, not just uh, not just the casinos themselves, but anyone who is selling their services for a piece of the action or for some kind of... Uh, Reward when the person signs up or goes down there. They uh, they're they're clamping down on affiliates too because affiliates have apparently been really spamming people. They buy lists of gamblers and then just try to get signups through their links. So there's a lot of scrutiny on them from the ICO. And the problem is a lot of these people they they really just want to do anything to make a quick buck. So they. They they have no incentive to behave responsibly because they don't really peel, care if they piss people off. So that, that's what's going on. I think that's a, a good move on the part of the ICO in the UK. I, it's, it's becoming a problem there, and this should not be happening. When you give your phone number to a casino, or if they even obtain your phone number without even your knowledge, you should not be getting spam texts. In fact, I think spam text should be illegal, that if you have not... Uh, I was going to say, I think you'll find they will come down hard because um, the very fact that we've got a very liberal sort of gambling tendencies in this country and quite privileged to to some degree means that you do get lots of safety checks to make sure the consumer is not took advantage of. Another example is um, if you're, for example, in a bookies and you're playing on the fruit machines, every 15 20 minutes it will come up with an alert saying responsible gambling setting your own self-imposed limits and that sort of thing now there's always going to be the the small percentage this is going to be irrelevant to uh, to, because if they want to gamble they're going to gamble and they're not going to impose their own self-limits but there are lots of safety measures put in check to make sure that people don't spiral out of control okay so the question about the limits if I were to be playing in the UK and I say I have a, a thousand pound loss limit and then I lose a thousand pounds, I'm like, ah, crap, I want to keep on playing. Is there a way to override that or at that point are you done for the day? Not if you've put it on, um, if you've put it on a fruit machine, the alert will come up. It will tell you to set your limit. If you've set your limit and then you reach it, playing a fruit machine hypothetically, then that would be it. 
How long is it till the next day? Uh, they you can normally set the time frame. Okay. And likewise, some of the bookies as well. Um, if you go in there, you can also put self-imposed bans. I, I think that's a good idea. I think the U.S. should have that, where people have the ability before they go in or before they start playing, or really at any time, to say, I want a limit of this, and then where they just don't back down from it, where if you hit that limit, then whether you want to keep playing or not, it'll refuse. Now, the only problem is that would require the use of a player card, and in the U.S., you're never required to use the playing card. So, uh, it'd be a little tough to enforce, but I still think that sort of thing would be a good idea. Yeah, well, anything that allows, if you like, freedom of actions and taking responsibility for yourself, I think, is good. And if you sort of complement that with safety checks, that seems to be the best method. Yeah. So, um, here's something that's definitely not the best method. Uh, Caesars has decided to spam their own Seven Stars members. Now, I reported this on the sister site of Poker Fraud Alert called VegasCasinoTalk.com. And uh, if you're looking for a kinder, gentler version of the Poker Fraud Alert forum, now there's not really poker talk on there, but there's a lot of gambling talk, casino gambling talk. And and uh, it's a kinder, gentler version of the of the Poker for Alert form. I, I can't say there's no fighting or trolling on there because there is some. Strangely enough, mostly by like older men. Like a, a lot of the biggest trolls on there are over sixty. But uh, I, I try to keep it to where not too much of that goes on, and it's it's mostly sensible discussion about uh, casino issues. But VegasCasinoTalk.com is the sister site of Poker Fraud Alert, and. I run it too, so they're both my sites. Anyway, I posted over there about something that I received in the email from Caesars as part of the Seven Stars program. Now, keep in mind, the Seven Stars program, as I've mentioned many times on this show, is the very top tier at Caesars. JSTAT posted that there's one above it called Chairman. That's not true. They, they did assign that to one person who wanted something special above Seven Stars. Name's Terrence Watanabe, but since he got banned from Caesars, they did away with the Chairman level. So really, Seven Stars is the top. And they, they did have a number of marketing partnerships with other companies that uh, were only available to Seven Stars members. And these were good because they didn't cost caesars anything and but yet the caesars players who reach seven stars would feel that they're getting extra benefits that uh in reality are not really costing caesars anything to provide so the two best ones that are offered are the norwegian cruise and the starting 2016 the atlantis trip that you can get for free atlantis is a city in the bahamas so Caesars is not paying for these if you're a seven star, but you get them as a part of a marketing partnership with these other third party companies. And you may ask, well, why are the third party companies doing this? They want to get seven stars down there where they have a casino, figuring that these are the most, uh, these are the highest stakes and probably most compulsive gamblers. That's who they want playing in their casinos. Of course, then there's people like me who would never do that and who, you know, who reach seven stars, but, uh, 
use all the program has to offer while at the same time not unnecessarily spending money. So they've also made some partnerships that are less valuable, ones like uh, to buy sporting tickets and to, to use an online shopping mall with your rewards credits. And it's basically finding ways to spend your rewards credits on things that are outside the casino and usually at a poor rate. But okay, at least there it's an offer to buy something with your existing reward credits, and if you don't like the rate that they're charging, you don't have to buy anything, so I don't think that's horrible. I think it's a mildly tacky, but not terrible. But this thing's really tacky. I, I get this email with this big picture, and the, big, the picture is a, it's of a smartphone. And it says, select your free Android smartphone. And then comes the catch. Because I'm like, wait a minute, I, d- I doubt that they're giving me a free smartphone. It, it does say exclusive for 7 Stars members, select your free Android smartphone now. But then, under it, it says in smaller print, new or upgrade two-year activation required. While supplies last, terms and conditions apply. And then the funniest part. Keep in mind, this is an exclusive offer for 7 Stars members. But, despite the offer being so exclusive, it says feel free to forward this to friends and family. <laughs> so wait a minute. Then how is it an exclusive offer? How is it exclusive to anyone if you can forward it to anyone you want? So now why would they be giving a free phone to anyone you want? Well, it's that one part that's a catch. New or upgrade to your activation required. So there you have it. That you have to uh, activate the phone and have a two-year agreement, and that's what will pay for this free phone you're getting. Now, you may say, maybe that's still a good deal. Well, not really. This has been going on, at least, you know, I don't know if it does for you there in the UK, but in the US, these type of deals have been going on for 20 years. I, mean, I, got, I got one of these type of deals in early 1997 for a StarTac flip phone, which was a big deal at the time. And I got my StarTac like either free or really cheap because I signed a two-year agreement. And, and the the phones they're offering, I clicked on the link. They're they're like year-old models, like the Samsung Galaxy Six, S Six. You know, so that's. I think this is very bad form because this is different than spamming you and saying, "Spend your rewards credits to buy sports tickets or concert tickets." At least there, it's pretty straightforward. They're saying you're going to be spending your rewards credits, and if you don't like the prices they're giving you, then you don't have to spend it. Here, they're they're misleading you into thinking it's a free offer when in reality it's just uh, it's just marketing garbage, and and you're not even getting a good deal necessarily. Isn't there some kind of option though where you can like tick a box or whatever where you opt out of all these types of advertisement? Not with Caesars. They you you've just stuck getting them. You can't opt out of certain parts. You can opt out of all everything they send you, but you can't opt out just the from these advertisements. So oh, okay. yeah, so it's it's I, I was disappointed to see this because that doesn't really affect me. I just uh, laugh at it and delete it. But I'm like, wow, they're they're really now gonna pretend you're getting something for free, which is not really free. Like that's that's kind of. Uh, Kind of lousy here. So I'll tell you guys what I'm going to do here. Uh, I'm going to do something that I don't usually do, and that is I. Do I sound tired to you, or do I sound okay? No, you sound okay. I sound okay. See, I, yeah, I'm good at faking it. I, I'm very good at uh, when I first wake up. Like if I'm woken up out of a sleep, I will often sound tired and confused for a few minutes. But when I'm already awake, 
like now, when I've been up for a long time, but tired. I, I can put on a good act that I'm not tired and that everything's okay. In fact, people have said on the radio, I, I got a compliment from uh, Sandalmar, who posts a lot on the forum. He's more of a forum poster than a radio listener, but he does listen sometimes to the radio. And he once gave me a compliment that he can't tell from listening to me from show to show how things outside of the radio are going for me. He can't tell if I've been winning or if I've been losing or if I've been having personal problems or if everything's great. He can't tell it because I, I come on every time with basically the same mood. And you can't really tell. And, and to tell you the truth, even I can't tell. When I go back and hear old episodes on, on the call to listen line, I have no idea. I'm like, wait a minute. At that time, like, were, were things going well? Were things not going well? Like, I, I, I can't tell by listening to myself. I sound the same. And, That's and, very true, actually. You do. You, you'd probably make a good spy. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and it's funny because a lot of times, like inside, I'm like, I'm like really frustrated or or just like in a bad mood, and, and somehow when I, I do the show, I, I can just turn it off and, and basically act the same always, and, and so much that I fool myself later when I, I hear myself again. It's even so much that I can't even tell hearing the the older version of me. So. Uh, tonight, it's not that anything's wrong, it's that I'm just tired, and, and I've been battling that the whole show, and at the beginning it wasn't really affecting it that much, I got kind of like a second win, but now I'm very tired, but I was considering after this last topic by Caesars, which were finished, that I was going to shut down the show and say, sorry guys, I can't do the general topics, but, you know, I, I, I want to do the general topics, so this is what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to play a song, just... No, nothing relevant, just just a song to, uh, so I can go grab a uh, a Pepsi. Oh, which, perfect idea! I'll go and grab myself a cup of tea. Yeah, a cup of, a cup of tea. Perfect. It's very English of you. So, <laughs> so you're going to grab the cup of tea. I'm going to grab the, yep. the, the the Pepsi with which the reason I'm grabbing a Pepsi is it has caffeine, and uh, you know caffeine is what's good with me with caffeine. Before I go do it, I'll tell you guys about caffeine, how it affects me. Uh, I inherited something that's that's good, I think, in that caffeine, I get the positives from it, but not the negatives. I, I don't get, uh, I don't have the inability to sleep after caffeine. There's some people, I uh, like like even my girlfriend, she can't, uh, if she has any caffeine within like six hours of when she's going to go to sleep, she's going to feel it and have trouble sleeping. I can, I can drink as much caffeine as I want, and then go lie down in bed and fall asleep. And it, it won't stop me. Uh, I, I also don't have the, the, the crash from, from caffeine or jittery, getting jittery from caffeine. I, I don't have any kind of side effects from caffeine, but yet if I'm feeling tired, it can help with making me feel more awake, uh, at least temporarily. So I, I get all the good effects of caffeine. Also, I, I get tension headaches, and the caffeine also helps with those. And it, so I... Uh, Fortunately, I don't have any of the negative side effects of caffeine, and I thought maybe okay, I'm just imagining this. You know, maybe I, I am getting the effects, and I don't, I don't really realize them. I was kind of doubting myself about all this, and then I talked to my brother and sister, and they told me they both told me the same thing. They said, "Yeah, we noticed this about ourselves too." Like independently of me ever saying it, they noticed too that caffeine did not affect them in any negative way. And then I asked my parents, and they said the same thing too. So apparently, both my parents are not affected negatively by caffeine. And that made it highly likely that all their kids would not be affected negatively by caffeine, and uh, that's what happened. And it's kind of a weird thing. Because most people at least get some effect from it that's negative, 
And with neither parent getting that, that's what allowed it to pass down to me the same way. So that, that's at least good because I don't have to worry about drinking a caffeinated drink. Because I'll tell you, when this show's over, I'm going to post it in the archives and I'm going to go to bed. So nor, someone who couldn't sleep when they're on caffeine uh, would not be able to do this. But I, I will be able to do it. And uh, I, I don't really have sleep problems, which is good. Because I, every once in a while, like very rarely, I'll get a sleep problem where I can't fall asleep and I go, wow, this is awful. Like I, I, I feel my heart goes out to anyone who has trouble falling asleep but is yet very tired because that that's just the worst. I, I, I felt it occasionally to where uh, I think, wow, if this was a regular thing for me, this would be terrible. But thank, thankfully, I can... Really, if I'm tired, I can fall asleep anywhere, anytime. So that's, uh, I, I don't have those problems, thankfully. So what I'm going to do is, uh, is I'm going to throw on some random song. Let's see what I can find here. What am I going to fall? What am I going to pick here? And then I'll play it, and hopefully there won't be any dead air. Dead air is the uh, one thing you always avoid on radio, even internet radio, if you don't want the show to be crap. Uh, let's see here. Okay. So we'll have a little intermission. And, uh, here. Right, I'm back. I've got my tea. Oh, you got your tea. Well, now you're going to listen to a song. I've got so. my innocent, smooth, super smoothie. I'm happy as Larry. Okay, so I'll, I'll throw some uh, 1980s music on that. How old are you, by the way? 40. Uh, 40. Okay, so you're right in my age range. I'm a little bit older. Yep. Yeah, but you, you, I'm sure you remember the 80s uh, fairly well. Yeah, I'm a fond affectionate of the 80s. I do normally like your music, except when it's waking me up early in the uh, morning. Yeah, that, I didn't, that's funny. It was, it was the dead air. I, it really doesn't have dead air on there. I just turned it off. I turned off the reruns uh, earlier because I didn't want the people being confused at 7.30 thinking that was a new episode. So I, I shut down the reruns for a few hours tonight, and that, that ended up screwing you because you just had it on for dead air and it, it sounded quiet and then it just blasts on there so i'm gonna blast yeah, and i had to set the volume up really loud as well so it's really <laughs> a no that's the I, I once once in a while i have like some autoplay thing go off on my phone and like just for some reason out of nowhere it just starts playing and, and it's, it's the worst like if i'm sleeping it just starts playing i go ah now i just turn off the volume for that stuff when i go to sleep so okay here here's a song and uh, it is from the 80s and when it's done i We'll be back. And if not, just, just start talking. But I should be back in time. Lovely. Thank you. you. Oh, you. What is this? You no, 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 I don't want to hear pl- I don't want to hear about plaxorises. Here we go.
I feel like we're starting the show all over again. That's always uh, the same experience as, as the 80s song ends and I start the show. And, and here we've been going for a few hours. So I hear you're still in the background here. And uh, Matt the Rat wanted to call in. He, he can call in if he wants before we get to the general topics. Beer and Poker saying uh, he's on break now, so I, I call in right after the song. Oh, he's, he's talking to Matt, who's asking if he can call in. All right, Matt the Rat, hello. Hey, how are you? Uh, all right, so uh, what's going on, Matt? Um, uh, just three quick things. Um, the whole, uh, I, and I've been uh, listening off and on tonight, the whole Brandon thing, um, 
do you like? Has he been planning his own radio show for quite a while? Do you know? Or no, it seems like- he, I'll tell you what's. He just he's had it on his mind that uh, uh, sometimes like oh I, I, maybe I should just do my own show and then just kind of pick my own things to do and I won't be subjected to certain topics I don't really feel like talking about. So he like he thinks about that, but then he thinks no 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 it's better if we're together. Like he, he's been wavering back and forth for a while where he he wants to then he doesn't want to. Yeah, and- I, I get that feeling, and it seems like. Everybody loves his input and his stories, but I, I kind of get the impression that sometimes, like, he, because he's not the main host, he kind of, like, fades in and out, or he's, like, doing stuff and not, like, paying 100% attention during the show. I think the straw that broke the camel's back was today when he didn't get told the delayed. Yeah, that, but, that that was that. That's what that's that's a good description of what happened. So I mean, well, I, I mean, he is a little bit sensitive for things like that, and he can be overpowering. But we all know he's great for the radio show, and the two of you work well together. So I'm hoping this is just a little minor temp- temper tantrum, and they'll um, get back to normal. But. I- I'm just wondering, like, he's in his post there, he's talking about, oh, he might have a bit of a sponsorship from, you know, poker stars, yet he's not going to do poker topics. So that seems kind of strange. Well, yeah, look, he sometimes says things that uh, just for effect. So I I don't know what parts of that post are true and what's not, so I don't want to read too much into it. The the only thing I know that's true is he's legitimately annoyed that I didn't... uh, get that text through to him again i sent him a text but uh and i can even send him a screenshot later if he wants to see it but i i sent him a text and then it it ended up with that uh thing where it just didn't get through so I was like, oh yeah so, i mean i could i could understand he'd be a little annoyed but i think i mean you know uh it's it's understandable that you probably would have sent a text but um the other other thing is um i was working tonight and i was listening to the satellite radio do you ever listen to hannity you know, I'll tell you something about Hannity. I, I don't really listen to him, but because of Sean Hannity, I didn't get a talk show at my college. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you how this connection occurred. Sean Hannity is older than me, uh, and in fact, he's a good deal older than me, like at least 10 years or so. But uh, So he wasn't in college at the same time as me. In fact, I don't think he was in that college, but at the college I went to, he lived in that same city when I was there and shortly before I was there, like a year or two before uh, he went there and the, the, the radio station at the college was open to the whole community, not just students. I think students technically got priority, but to be honest, it was more if the program director liked you than if you were a student there. So Sean Hannity uh, said he wanted a show. I think he was in his like mid twenties at the time. And they said, okay. So they gave him a show, and it turned out to be a very controversial right-wing show where he was talking you know, anti-abortion stuff and other hot-button hot issues of the day. And since this was a student station, it, was, you know, it had a real broadcast signal. It was actually a pretty good signal for a uh, student station. But uh, it was still mostly listened to by students. So, of course, being a college, this, this wasn't a, a super liberal college but it, you know still most of the people who went to that college were, were left wing politically uh, just being a college and uh, a lot of people did not like hearing this on the radio this is also before uh, talk show hosts like like Rush Limbaugh had hit the mainstream 
So people weren't used to even hearing that on the radio. I mean, yes, there were other right-wing talk show hosts, but it, it just really hadn't uh, broken through to mainstream radio. So here they, they're hearing on the student station things they had never heard before for, from that station of, of a lot of right-wing ideas. And people complained to the station manager uh, just because they didn't like what he was saying. And amazingly... They kicked him off for that reason. They actually kicked him off the radio. They told him he can't be on the station anymore because they got too many complaints about him, even though he wasn't violating any FCC rules. He was not violating any station rules. He was just getting people angry because he was expressing a point of view politically that was very right-wing and that was uh, upsetting a lot of the students there. So I didn't know this story because it occurred, I think, about a year or two years before I got to the school. I got to the school... And I had, so at first I just ran kind of a a comedy music show, like just, if any of you are familiar with Dr. Demento, kind of a ripoff of that in a way, but also with some live type segments too that were were sometimes similar to some of the stuff I do on the show today. Uh, There was no Colonel Fabersham then, but I made other like prank calls like that. I sometimes did that stuff on the air too. So it was a mixture of those things. But, uh, I decided that, uh, like, I, I didn't think they were going to like that for the for the bigger state. I did that on like the training station there, which had a very weak signal. But if you want to get on like the big station that with a good signal, the one that Hannity was on, uh, you had to propose it. They have to they have to have a committee who who approves the new show, and they were very quick to approve like crappy music shows. Like, if you got some kind of eclectic crappy music that no one wants to listen to, they'll approve you in a second. Because that, that was what the main point of the station was, to just play music that isn't he- heard elsewhere. But that usually it's not heard elsewhere because it sucks. That's the truth. So so people, there's all kinds of just awful music on that station. And those shows got approved in a second. But any talk shows uh, or any shows that were or not just that, the, the, you, there was a lot of uh, pushback on it. So I, I saw they weren't crazy about me continuing that type of show on the bigger station. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get more serious. I'm going to just do a, a an issue show, and and I knew if I said anything about it being like a right wing show that they would absolutely say no because they uh, the people who ran the station were very much on the left. So I I, I pitched it pretty much like a centrist show that's going to allow people from all different uh, points of view to uh, to express their viewpoints, and uh, it was. Uh, it was going to be like a political talk show without a bias, or I was going to at least attempt that. Well, uh, I got a call one night. So, so I was told this first when I when I applied that I was rejected, and I said, "Why was I? Re- why am I rejected?" They said, "Because we had this issue with this guy named Sean Hannity, who was on a few years ago, and they told me what happened." And I actually went to the school newspaper for those days and looked up the old. Uh, newspaper article about it and read it and yeah so he sure enough uh sean hannity was on there and got kicked off mm-hmm. and so they said they don't want another sean hannity they're not letting me do it so i, I said well that sucks and i said okay because i guess i'm not gonna ever be on the big station there well the uh like two nights after the la riots in 92 i get this call at i don't know one in the morning <laughs> And it's the station manager, and he says, look, uh, 
I know you wanted to do this show that you've talked about. I know this is very short notice, but would you like to come on at 2 in the morning and do your show? Because someone who was going to be here at 2 in the morning canceled and you know, they're sick or something, they can't make it. And rather than just play some rerun or something, you know, we'll give you a shot then. So I th- it was like 2 in the morning on a Tuesday night, uh, definitely a crappy time slot, like 2 to 5 or something, 2 to 4 or something like that. So I took it anyway. I said, all right. Now, it, it, what was funny is my, my parents were actually able to hear the show, even though the college is about 150 miles from where they lived, because it uh, uh, the way the terrain was, it actually like went over the ocean and was able to get over to where their house was. But uh, I, I did the show, and it was so funny because... All those music shows, all the crappy music shows, they'd like be giving away things like, okay, we're giving away concert tickets, the seventh caller, and they'd be waiting and waiting and waiting, and they'd never get seven calls because there's so few listeners. I was actually getting calls. My fo- The phones were ringing off the hook because I was doing a show about the L.A. riots, which had just occurred two days ago. And, and everybody wanted to talk about it, and I got a lot of different points of view in there. I got people on the right, people in the center, people on the left, and you know they, they were debating with each other everybody was treated everybody respectfully uh, I, I thought the whole thing was a success and and nothing was too outrageous nothing was too crazy and then there are even people who were at the end of the show were calling and saying you know, we love this thing this is way better than we we, we hear on the station uh, can we write to someone so i gave them the address of the station to write to if they wanted to uh encourage them to make me a regular show on there so i thought it was very good uh, unfortunately, the left-wing people who were in charge, and this is uh, this has shades of what you see these days on campus with the censorship from uh, the social justice warrior types and the college left. Uh, even though I, I did this show from a very centrist stan- standpoint, I didn't give that many opinions of my own. The ones I did, I tried to give both sides of it, even ones I didn't fully agree with, just to try to project that sort of, sort of centrist uh, viewpoint there to give it more of a, uh, a less of a bias to it. it that still wasn't enough the the left-wing people who who ran the station said that it actually sounded pretty good and that I did a good job from a radio standpoint but they still felt that I was too right-wing and they're still afraid to be a, a Sean Hannity problem so wow. they, they wouldn't let me on so I said all right whatever so that was <laughs> that was the end of my uh, radio career at that school well, tonight he was um, he was ripping a new one into all the bleeding heart Hillary supporters. Um, he uh, he was basically going on and on about how like and I just heard this. I don't listen to him often. I just once in a while I put him on. But did you know that across the U.S. Um, you know all these like you were talking about these uh, protests that block the streets and all this stuff and. In high schools and in colleges across the U.S., not everyone, but some of them, they have these, quote, crying rooms <laughs> where literally where they're offering, okay, Kleenex and they're offering, they're offering, um, uh, hot chocolate and they're also offering, like, you know, um, when vets come back, they get these, I think they're, I don't know what the term is, comfort dogs where the dogs are like our companion to them. Yeah. They're offering these and therapists for people that are upset and that are Hillary supporters. Like, it's, it's unbelievable, right? So, yeah, exactly. So he, he ripped him a new one about that. 
um, and I, I just thought that was really funny how that, that, he, he was going on about that. That's just, crazy. I, I, he was I, just I, saying, like, you know, grow up, like, accept it. Like, it may not be your guy, but that's it. Just move on. I, and, I can't believe they actually had, even had tissues there. <laughs> yeah. Tim, oh, that Coco. sounds really pathetic, actually. And yeah, also, it, you're right. Why don't they lost the vote? Get over it. Well, it's not just that. The, I, I hate seeing things like this because it, it just promotes that. Uh, Having things like this is is telling people that, okay, we're, we're trying to make you think of yourself like a victim in some way. Instead of just saying, okay, the candidate I preferred lost, and, and I'm frustrated and I'm disappointed, but uh, but okay, I, I've got yeah, I've got to get over it. I've got to accept that sometimes the candidates I support don't win, and and in throughout your lifetime, you're going to see that no matter what side you're on, and 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 just move on. They're they're promoting this idea that something bad has happened to you if the candidate you supported did not win. And that's that's a very bad thing to be promoting because it, it shouldn't be, oh, something bad happened to me. It should be that I you know I preferred the country to go one way and it's going the other way and that's that's the way voting works. And that's people have to get used to this. They can't uh, they shouldn't have crying rooms or, or, or have to be comforted. That it should be something that you learn to deal with and and, and uh you know uh there's a quote from Tommy Lasorda, the former manager of the Dodgers who's still involved with the organization, even though he's getting close to 90 years old. He once said, the biggest problem with success is that it doesn't prepare you for failure. And I sometimes feel that these days, kids and teenagers and even college students are not being prepared for failure. That they they, they always have to be happy. They always have to feel like if, if something's happened that, that it's uh, it's either not their fault or they're a victim in some way. It, it's, it's it's fucking brutal. We live in a world full of pity where everyone likes to make... Everyone blames someone else for their own faults and issues and this and the other. I mean, you look... I, <laughs> It's a little funny story, You're probably not really relevant, but in about a week's time, I'm getting delivered a cup of hats with Donald Trump sort of support on it. And the reason I'm doing that is not because I'm a Donald Trump fan um, or, or anything to do with that, but like yourself, I'm so pissed off with the liberal sort of media and the liberal people bleating. I just want to antagonise people. <laughs> I want people to sort of walk down the street and make comments. <laughs> just so I can tell them exactly how stupid they are for some of their beliefs. Because um, whilst we, I thought we had it pretty bad with some of the bleaters in this country, I think you guys have it even more so. Yeah, you know, Matt's, so, and Matt's not even, he's not in the US, by the way, Matt's in Canada. So. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah. Canada, Canada's a normally, um, Canada is sort of, seems to be a little bit more um, wised up to the whole situation. I wouldn't say that. We're going on in Ontario with that college there. It was crazy. So that's, uh... Well, yeah, yeah. There's always going to be... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, hopefully now, because they've seen a couple of things which are unexpected in the UK, obviously Brexit, in the US, your Donald Trump getting in, I think we're going to see a, a rise of nationalism, certainly in Europe, but hopefully we're now going to see a proper backlash to all this political correctness and sort of money cuddling that people that exists. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing the, the – I'm watching like, even just on Facebook and, and also like articles from uh, – on a broader scale, articles that are in publications uh, and like 
liberal websites and stuff where, where they're trying to figure out what happened and, and there's d- debates going on among them. Some, some think, oh, this is, uh, you know, Donald Trump won because of racism and, and, and all the stuff like that. And then, but there's others saying, no, 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 we're, we're doing it wrong here. We're, we're, as a party, we're, we're focusing on the wrong things and we're, we're shoving political correctness down people's throats too much. And we're, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to, some, the more rational people in, in the Democratic Party are, are, are telling the other ones, we're, we're messing up here. We're, we're not relating to the, the common people anymore. We're, we're relating to the, uh, the wealthy, educated uh, the liberals on, on, on the coasts, but we're, we're not. To the average American, we're having problems relating with all this stuff. We're trying to shove down their throats that seems foreign to them and seems ridiculous to them, and 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 we're not listening to them. And uh, and the reason Donald Trump won is because uh, he was he seemed to be speaking from the heart to them. And even if he wasn't, he at least appeared that way and spoke in a way that they could relate to more, uh, rather than that from from us. It feels like we're lecturing them, and, and that's true. Like so, the the wiser ones there are telling them are telling the others. We've got to stop doing this. We've got to change our message. We've got to stop with this uh, uh, social justice warrior BS, the political correctness BS. We, we've got to get away from that and, and try to see the way the American, the, the average American voter, especially in the Midwest, sees things and understand their gripes and understand why they don't like what we're doing here in, instead of just telling them this is the way you have to be, this is the way you should be, because then they just don't relate to us and they vote the other way. And I actually know people. I shouldn't say I know people. I, I joined some groups on, on Facebook, uh, that some yeah, conservative-type uh, uh, political groups, and there were some people there that I spoke to that said I was – Four years ago, a liberal, I voted for Obama. I, w- I was considered a left-winger then. I would have never pictured that four years later that, that I'd be on the other side, but I was so turned off in the last few years by by the social justice warriors, by the, by the ridiculous victim culture, by the the uh, the constant attacks and, and, and put-downs. If, if you slightly disagree with them, that you're racist and homophobic and Islamophobic, that, they, that you can't ever have a rational discussion with them. So I got so turned off by this, they said, that I started to uh, have a ba- like a backlash where I, I just I, I just wanted to get away from them, and I started to be more and more receptive to the messages from the other side, and I started to watch videos from the other side, and I started to listen to uh, talk shows from the other side, and where, where before I tuned those out, thinking, oh, that's the other side, they're terrible, they're evil, they're wrong, and I, I started to be more receptive to them because I was getting so disgusted by so many within my own party and, and, and this and all this nonsense with the political correctness, I couldn't stand it anymore, and, and it drove me the other way. And, and I, I thought that was interesting. I thought, I thought, wow, this is these are people that really thought the other way politically were actually driven out of their own party by this sort of behavior, and and yet a lot a lot of people on the left still don't see it. And if I if I were on the left, if I were in the the United States Democratic Party, I would be one of these people saying, "No, you've got to stop this. You can't continue this because we're we're going to keep losing if this is what we do. We're we're not relating well, to people." What what's bad too from like an, a, a non U.S. person like looking at this is your government run schools are basically coddling and in, like they're enabling people. By and there were some schools where some kids either had to write a test, but the teacher said, "Okay, you can either write this test, or if you join the protest, 
like the anti-Trump protests that happened after the election, you will get a passing grade. <laughs> I mean, what kind of BS is that? That's hor- that's horrible. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, that's it. terrible. You should never have sort of political influence like that taking place at the schools. School. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's brutal. brutal. Um, yeah, and it's gotten much worse. Like when I was in school, there's a little of that, but there wasn't that much uh, political talk from from the teachers, and and uh, there, there wasn't. Yeah, any of this, this stuff about safe spaces or, uh, or 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 crying rooms or there was there wasn't any of that type of stuff. Uh, you know, there's some now there's some things that they they've changed over the years in schools that I, I think are positive. I think the attempt to stop bullying in, in schools and clamping down harder on that is uh, is positive. There's you know if if there's a lot of excessive bullying that someone suffers, that's not. Uh, uh, yeah, if you if you take it too much of an extreme, where where no one can can have any dissenting opinion or, or or tease each other occasionally, that can be that that can also fail to prepare you for adulthood. But at the same time, if someone's if if you're really a victim of a lot of bullying, there that that's not a positive for you. That can be that's going to be more of a negative, and it, you know attempting to stop that out is correct. But uh, so I, some of the that type of stuff I think is fine. But but there's there's uh, other things that they're doing. You know both the Political indoctrination and also the uh, the coddling too much and the, and, and the fear that that not letting ever, anyone ever see that they fail uh, and I, I think it, it's important. I think failing while frustrating at the time and and, and demoralizing at the time uh, can be very character building and and can help you have a proper perspective on life and, and also can have have you feel. Less entitled to things always working out. This allows you to, when things fail in the future in, in, in your adult life, that uh, you take it better. If you're not used well, to it, when you it go into the real provide, world, the it can real also world provide motivation. Yes. Yeah. And in the real world, like these people that are getting coddled and all this stuff, they're going through school. I mean, when they go for a job interview and stuff like that, no, nobody's going to hire that because the guy, you know, like with that kind of attitude. Yeah, unless everybody has it, then they don't have a choice. But uh, you know, this is unrelated to all all this. But something that like someone grows up seeing, they they just never knew differently. There's a trend that changed in restaurants that I hate, and that is the I don't think I've ever mentioned on this show before. I call them shake hands tables because they're so close to each other. It feels like you shake hands. Whereas before in restaurants, it used to be just all tables that are totally separate from one another. Now there's a trend. It's been going on the last 10 years where there's more and more tables. They're almost like a, like a long booth where they're all connect. All the seats are connected and they're all very close with just a little space in between. They're not freestanding. Like a mama. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's like a, like a long thing where there's like table, 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 but they're all attached to this long seat that goes down like, you know, it be thirty people sitting there, and, and there's like little spaces between the tables where you're not, uh, rather than freestanding tables that that you could move around if you wanted to. So, I, I hate those things because there's like no privacy. Like the people next, to, you're so close to the people next to you, you could hear everything you're saying, and I, I find that unnerving that I can't have a conversation with the people I'm eating with without everyone listening in. Like I, I don't expect total privacy when I'm dining, but I don't want it to where it's so close every word is heard. And at those type of tables, it's that way. So every time I go to a restaurant. I always you know, request beforehand, please give me a freestanding table or booth, you know, freestanding table or booth. I don't care which one. And and and, and uh, when I get there, if they try to lead me to one of those, they say, uh, uh-uh, no, I don't want it. And I'll even wait an extra ten minutes to get a real table. Uh, the, the only thing that's even worse than that, the only way I'd take one of those tables is if uh, 
either there's absolutely no way to get it without a super long wait, or if uh, the only table available is something that's by the door on a cold day. That's also very tilting. It's like like on a very cold day when you're right by the door and it's over and over, like you get blasted with cold air. I, I, I hate that. But uh, other than that, like I, I was thinking about Benjamin, and by the time he's an adult, like they'll probably even have more of these type of tables because the reason they did it, they squeeze more tables in this way so the restaurants can seat more people. But if if this trend continues, uh, he'll be so used to seeing these type of tables that to him it probably won't even be something that bothers him. But for me, who who grew up not seeing this. It's something I don't like. If it, now, do you guys have this in Canada? Do you have this in the, in the UK? What I'm talking about? Well, we have um, we have like the typical chain Wagamama where it's like that, um, and we also have some restaurants who do that try to cram in. But like yourself, I would um, whenever I go to a restaurant with the missus, I always try to get a booth as well, um, and will also be happy to wait just so I don't have to sit next to someone because. <laughs> Not only do I not want to hear their conversation and vice versa, I'm almost terrified that they're one of these talkers who just want to make conversation with me. <laughs> and then I'm trapped. Because then if I've just started my starter, I'm enjoying my nice scallops and so forth, they start chatting, and lo and behold, they then want to make friends with me. And that's the worst, when you're just trying to have a nice bottle of wine or something with your missus. And you got some Joe Schmo next to you, just wanting to be all buddy buddy. It's like, oh god, go away. Yeah, I, I've noticed those in Canada. Well, where I live, you do notice that, but I think it's mostly because they try to cram more people in to make more money. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's why. And and what's happening at a lot of these places, um, like I don't know, Earl's Cactus Club. I, I don't know if you have those there or the equivalent, but it's it's not fine dining, but it's it's you know it's above a. Uh, like kind of a just a fifteen dollar a plate thing. Um, that usually you go there for dinner, and it's so bloody loud. Um, not from music, but just the people talking. Yeah, it's too many uh, people. Yeah. Okay, we we have a we have a caller. Uh, you're on the air. See, I'm gonna speak. Hello. The nine one eight area. I'm not here. I'm not hearing them. I'll tell you what I think will happen in restaurants in the future. I wouldn't be surprised if people go in there, order their meal, do so in front of a, t- a, a laptop screen or PC screen, and eat while speaking to someone else over the internet who's also in front of their screen. We're in this social media world where it's gone mental. People don't converse face-to-face anymore. Yeah, maybe you can even order uh, through the computer and (laughs) eventually have a robot deliver it to you. You know, some places like Japan, um, in in a lot in in the majority of places, uh, in in restaurants and even on their buses, you are not allowed to have you're not allowed to be talking into your cell phone. You can be using it, but you cannot be talking. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. There's there's been a couple of restaurants recently in Japan where um, they've actually used robot servers to deliver food and so on and so forth um but the problem they found is whilst they do an efficient job obviously delivering the food uh and and taking the order and that sort of thing people generally miss the um interaction 
because there's only so much an artificial intelligence. Oh, really? I'd actually see. I, I'd actually be happy to have that. I, I don't even like. I'd be happy to have a machine do it. Right? I don't have to. Well, likewise as well. I yeah. don't. I don't necessarily want to talk to these guys. And then also, if I have a machine. I know when I'm tipping, it's going to be a consistent flat rate because. Well, you're probably going to tip less, to be honest. Well, I, I wouldn't tip a machine at all. I machine would get zero yeah. from me. <laughs> oh, I th- well, I'm going to assume that by tipping the machine, the money's going to go somewhere to the busters and the, yeah. or whatever. Well, I, I guess I guess that's true. It depends where it'd be going, but like if it's just going to the owner, I'd say screw it. I'm just I'm oh, yeah, zero. Then, then I get zero. The machine's not going to be insulted if I don't tip it. But uh, the. Uh, the one concern I'd have with the machine, though, is like if you modify the order, it will screw it up. Like it, it, it'd be. This is part of the reason I hate ordering online uh, for things. Is that there, there's usually not that much of a room. Like to, they don't give you ways to explain when you're ordering online you know, exceptions, and especially if you're changing something that's non-standard, then it's really hard to explain online. Or if you even if you have a box to enter it, they tend to ignore it. So I found that ordering online, unless it's like super standard that you're just getting exactly the way it's made, uh, it tends to be a fail. So yeah, I agree with that. So I anyway, I'm I'm going to bed. So uh, okay, so I'll listen later on. All right. Okay. Good night, Bye-bye. Matt. See you, Matt. Right. Ta-da. So that's Matt the Rat, and uh, I, I. It seems like every time I, I go somewhere with him in Vegas, there's some kind of adventure. I I, uh, I lost my car one time. Uh, the next year, uh, we we uh, had a confrontation at. Toby Keith's I Love This Bar in Harris when they wouldn't let us in when they were supposed to. and I don't know. Something always happens. But uh, he's a nice guy and uh, oh, has brought uh, a lot of stuff from Canada for me when he sees me in the summer. And uh, happy to take his call. So let's talk about uh, some of the general topics here. Uh, I want to talk about Hillary Clinton and staging a, f- a hiking photo. And this is so weird. So, you know, Hillary Clinton, I discussed this last week. She had the most devastating day of her life on November 8th, 2016, because this is what she was looking for her whole life. Not not to lose, but to to be president. That, that's what she, her whole life was leading up to, she hoped. That's why she stayed with Bill for all these decades while he cheated on her. She was very aware, even before the Monica Lewinsky thing in the 90s, she was aware way before that, that he was cheating on her. Uh, and, and she put up with it because... She knew that uh, Bill was very good politically, that he had a good political future, and that uh, together they could be a political power couple, and that was more important than than having uh, a, a good personal life. To her, the, the the political career was everything, and she saw that Bill was one who could help enable that for her. And, and, and he did. So he became president. He won a second term. And even after having that, that sex scandal... Uh, he left office pretty popular and got even more popular over the years. So she was hoping to ride off those coattails, and to some degree she did, and she became Secretary of State, and she was a senator. Uh, But that was not the big prize she was looking for. She was looking for the presidency. She was looking to be the first female president. And she could have been a historical figure that would have been revered throughout the ages. And in fact, if she had one, then all the scandals she was involved with would have been forgotten over time. Once we were all dead and there were nobody who remembered Hillary anymore other than just knowing her as a historical figure, uh, they're, you know, they're not gonna, they wouldn't have been talking in 150 years about Hillary's emails or whatever other scandals she had. They, they, wouldn't, they just talk about how she's the one who broke the gender barrier for president of the U.S. 
So she thought she had it. She was all ready to become that historical figure at the age of 69, and it didn't happen. She had the shocking defeat on November 8th. And uh, so you, you have to imagine she was very distraught, and there were, there were reports that she actually was crying, which is kind of hard to picture. It's kind of hard to even picture Hillary like a human being because she just is so robotic and cold all the time. But she was apparently crying and really, really distraught, and that was supposedly the reason she did not give the concession speech that night because she couldn't compose herself to do it. She was barely able to compose herself, supposedly, to even just make the call to Donald Trump, conceding to him privately. So, you would think the next day following that, uh, when you've just had this devastating loss of something that you've been hoping for your whole life, and in fact thought you were going to achieve, all the way up until that day, that what you would do the next day is kind of just mourn for your for, for the the situation. You would just sit at home and maybe talk to friends on the phone, maybe talk to no one, maybe kind of just lie in bed, watch TV, and not political TV, but, you know, just do something by yourself, get away from everyone. I know that's what I would do. I, I, I just wouldn't want to interact with many people. I definitely wouldn't want to go out in public, even if I even if I had some kind of depressing thing in my life that, and I, you know, not being famous, I would be afraid to, I, I wouldn't want to go out in public and just have to interact with people. I just think I, I wouldn't want to. I just want to stay by myself. And when I have had depressing things happen, I, that's exactly what I've done. I've just kind of wanted to stay away from people or do things to get my mind off of it. Uh, so the last thing I would expect Hillary, who's this recognizable, I mean, for a person who's, a person who's not famous, it's fine, but for someone who's probably the most recognizable person in the world, or at least tied between her and Donald Trump on the day after the election. To go out and hike, I thought, was a really weird choice because anyone who sees her is probably going to bother her. Even a, even a supporter is probably going to bother her. Not bother in a mean way, but bother like just want to talk to her and she's not going to be in the mood, which is understandable. So I could not understand why she would have gone hiking the next day. But a picture came out. It was posted up on uh, on Facebook uh, by a young woman who was a Hillary supporter, someone who was very into Hillary's candidacy and was, in fact, depressed when Hillary lost and was so depressed about it that she went on a hike. So this girl was named, uh, her name is Margot Gerster, and uh, she said that she, well, I'll, I'll tell you what she said on her Facebook. She said, I've been feeling so heartbroken since yesterday's election, this is written on November 9th, and decided what better way to relax than take my girls hiking. So I decided to take them to one of my favorite places in Chappaqua. We were the only ones there, and it was so beautiful and relaxing. So she had, I guess, some young children. One of them was a baby. I see it on her, uh, on her back. The other one, I don't know. I don't see the other girl. And she says, as we were leaving, I heard a bit of rustling coming towards me, and I stepped into the clearing, and there she was. Hillary Clinton and Bill with their dogs doing exactly the same thing as I was. So isn't that a coincidence? That the, big, the big Hillary supporter goes hiking, is the only one there, and then guess what? There's one other uh, party there, and it happens to be the Clintons. Nobody else. So she says, I got to hug her and, and talk to her and tell her that one of my most 
proudest moments as a mother was taking Phoebe with me to vote for her. She hugged me and thanked me, and we exchanged some sweet pleasantries, and then I let them continue their walk. So I think Phoebe was a little baby. She's carrying, I'm not sure, but one of the, one of the kids. This girl looks, she's, looks like she's in her mid-20s. So it looks like just someone who was a big supporter of Hillary's uh, just, you know, really was into the candidacy, really wanted her to win, was distraught she lost, went to go hike and get her mind off of it. And then who did she see? The, the Hillary, the of all people to see there. So she went up and gave her a hug, talked to her, and even told her, look, you know, I bring my daughter with me while I voted for you was one of my proudest moments. So I already thought this was a little bit odd, that Hillary would go out hiking, likely to be hounded by people who see her, the media, maybe even people, maybe even opponents who don't like her and, and mock her for losing. Imagine that. Imagine you, you've just lost and you go out there and some obnoxious Trump supporter is like, ha ha, you, you got crushed, uh, you dumb bitch. Like, imagine that. Like, that's the last thing you're going to want to do. Where, where uh, there's a lot of people who don't like you and are taking joy in your defeat. How do you know you're not going to run into one of them? So, uh, the only one she runs into is with a staunch supporter of hers. And so I'm, I'm already, doubting this a little bit, but I'm like, oh, well, yeah, like I didn't give it too much thought, so I figured, look, I know a number of Democrats were distraught about the election and shocked that Trump won, so I guess it's not that unusual that one of them would be depressed and want to take a hike, even though it, you know, they shouldn't have been that depressed, but okay, I, I guess I can kind of believe this. But wait. It turns out that Hillary and young Margot had met before. How is that left out of the story, that, that she knew Hillary from before? It sounds like she just kind of ran into her and, and, and introduced herself. There is a picture that was unearthed from, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, where Hillary is sitting at what looks like a dinner table with Margot and her sister. And this picture was taken at a fundraiser for Hillary, probably for when she was running for Senate, at a Chappaqua restaurant on that day. Now, the reason for Chappaqua, that's, that's the city in New York where uh, Hillary has a vacation home. And I, I, I assume maybe Margot lives there or whatever, but the, Margot's mom had a fundraiser there for Hillary about 10 years ago. And so there was Margot and Margot's sister in a picture with Hillary. So this, this isn't some random supporter who happened to see her hiking. This was someone who's, whose mom was clearly friends with Hillary for, you know, where, where the Clintons have their longtime vacation home and, and ran a fundraiser for her 10 years ago. So there's no way this is just a, a random meeting. So then it was believed that this whole thing was staged, that uh, the Clintons never went hiking, that the whole thing was just, uh, the, you know, they, they orchestrated this picture somewhere and then everybody left, that this was some sort of weird thing to make it look like Hillary has gotten over the loss of the election and uh, and was hugging a supporter. So this would explain why Margot was the only one to notice Hillary on the hike. You know, how, how, how does that happen? How, how do you go on a hike and not one person passes you there? Because obviously anyone passing her would see her. So that, that whole hike, nobody saw them except for Margot. And so that explains why. There was no hike. They, they probably... Uh, went to a place that uh, they knew nobody would be, took this picture, and then went back home. And that would explain why nobody else saw Hillary. 
Now, when this was unearthed, people brought this up. They came to Margo and said, uh, uh, how come you have not mentioned that your mom knew Hillary and had a fundraiser for her and you've met her before? How come, how is that all left out of your story? Why didn't you say, hey, you know, I, 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 my family knows Hillary Clinton. It was nice to see her again uh, the day after the election and I felt so bad for her. Why wasn't that the narrative, which would have been honest? Why was it all that treating like, oh, I heard some rustling in the bushes and my goodness, it's Hillary Clinton. Like, the whole story sounds phony, especially now that you know this other detail. So when Margo was confronted with this, she immediately took the pictures down from Facebook and would not answer any questions about whether or not they were staged. She didn't even deny it. She just wouldn't answer. She uh, now before all this, she she did an interview on CNN. She she was Margot was happy to talk to the press before this was discovered. Once it was discovered, she would not answer to anyone about this. So, some people are asking, what's the big deal? Even if this is true, first of all, they say well, what you know, all this is not proof. Maybe they just really did run into each other, and maybe Margot just didn't bother to mention that they knew each other before. But I don't believe that. But even if this is staged, what's the big deal? She's not running for president anymore. Of all the scandals that she was accused of, uh, faking a hiking photo is definitely down there as far as scandals. It's not a big deal in any shape, way, shape, or form. So why does this concern me? Why do I care? Why am I bringing it up? I'm bringing it up because this is indicative to me that Hillary is so used to posturing and lying and trying to make things appear differently than they really are that it's become second nature to her and to her it doesn't seem weird to be staging a hiking picture the day after you lose the day after a devastating loss that she can't even for a day get her mind off of lying to people (laughs) you think if one day for her to be genuine it would be that day no she can't even be genuine on that day her her mind is still working like what what can i do to to lie about her fake this day What, what can i do today to trick the people now, this may have been Margot's mom's idea. You know, it's possible Hillary was venting to Margot's mom. They're probably good friends, and maybe the mom suggested this. Hey, why don't you know? Why don't we go out and take a picture with you and Margot, and just have Margot act like she just met you, and it'll look good for the press, and you won't, you know, they won't rejoice in your depression about this. And okay, I'll do it. But what, there's no way she wasn't aware of this. Even if it wasn't her idea, there's no way she wasn't aware. So. It's funny how she responded to losing an election that she probably lost because people didn't believe she was genuine, and she responded to losing by not being genuine. So I don't know if she's a pathological liar. I don't know if she's just so used to staging things and lying about things and misleading people that this is just second nature now and she can't really tell the difference anymore. But I mean, of all times to do this, if she staged this photo a few months afterwards, they wouldn't. But the next day, I, I can't believe that. I mean, to have this on your mind the next day after, and I, I'm, I'm sure she was she was devastated by that loss. I'm sure she was legitimately very, very depressed over the results, even more than most presidential candidates have been, more than Donald Trump would have been. More than any candidate I've seen, I'm sure she was probably depressed more than any of the other losing presidential candidates during my lifetime. And they were all disappointed, but but I, I can imagine Hillary must have been devastated. So so why go and fake a, a hiking picture at that point? It's so weird. Why do it? 
What is it accomplishing? <laughs> How do you even deviate from your depression of the situation to even go and do something like this? Why, how is this even on your mind? Or even if someone else suggests it, how do you even go along with this? How, oh, sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a total wreck today, but yeah, let's go out and stage a hiking picture. I want to show everyone I can hike the next day after losing and, and look happy. I mean, why? The, the public will actually understand if, if you're depressed over this. It's okay to have emotion. And even if you don't want them seeing you that way, just just don't be seen. Make your concession speech and people will understand why you want to be alone for a while. I hate Hillary and I, I, I would understand why she'd want to be alone. I, I wouldn't blame her for wanting to be alone. Let's say she just like disappeared for a week, two weeks, whatever. I'd say, okay, I, I understand. I wouldn't mock her for disappearing. I'd say that makes sense. But to, to go out and stage a hiking photo is a weird. But I can't imagine how this isn't staged. So that's why she lost. People detected she was not genuine. People detected that she was not real. Uh, I think I'll talk about uh, Trump's cabinet picks and then uh, or maybe I should, yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk about Trump's cabinet. I, I, I don't have the energy to talk about multi-level marketing, I don't think. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out which one I should do. One's more timely than the other. Multi-level marketing's been around for decades. Um, well, so maybe I'll do both. Maybe I'll get through them quickly. Uh, Trump's cabinet picks have been in the news much more than other cabinet picks of other presidents-elect because... Trump's such a wild card, no one knows what he's going to do as president, that the people he appoints below him become much more important. So he's in the process of doing it. Uh, He's already made a few appointments. So he he appointed uh, Reince uh, Priebus, who is the uh, chairman of the Republican National Committee, What's funny is that Reince Priebus was actually anti-Trump for a while. He was not one of the Trump lackeys, but he eventually got on board to back Trump. And he's been appointed to White House Chief of Staff, which is probably the most important position. And there's, there was criticism that Trump was elected on like an outsider sort of wave of how people feel in the country that they wanted an outsider to break up the Holly, not the Hollywood, break up the establishment in, in Washington. And then he appoints as chief of staff, someone who is definitely a member of the establishment, the chairman of the Republican national committee. I don't think that's bad. We already have our outsider in Trump and he's the most powerful, you know, being the president himself. So, if if you have all outsiders below him, it'll be a disaster. You need to have people with experience who know what they're doing, who who can help guide him. If you just put a bunch of people there with no experience, then th- this is going to be a mess. We tried that with Obama. Obama was someone who came in with li- little experience. And it showed. It showed sometimes. So 
this this would be pretty bad if he just appointed a lot of people who were outside of Washington. You have to have a mixture. Now, his chief strategist, he picked uh, Stephen Bannon. And that's the most controversial one because he is uh, very, very right-wing. Some people feel that he's racist. And some people feel he's very extreme. And supposedly this was done to not piss off the people who voted for Trump that wanted outsiders in there, someone who wanted to break up the establishment. So this is definitely someone who breaks up the establishment. Uh, Steve Bannon ran uh, Breitbart News. Uh, He's published articles linking uh, migrants to the spread of disease. He's... uh, Criticized uh, politicians who don't uh, support a religious test for immig- for immigrants to try to figure out which ones are possible jihad- jihadists, and uh, he's even uh, I guess he hasn't done this personally, but Breitbart has promoted stories that uh, have tied uh, Huma Abedin, the top aide to Hillary Clinton, to uh, to Islamic militants. So there. A lot of people thought that uh, Stephen Bannon is not an appropriate selection for the cabinet because he's so much of an extremist and so much uh, and floats out so many uh, really out there theories. And and some people are afraid that he, that he's racist and he's bigoted. So that that's going to be an interesting one. I. I think that uh, he probably wasn't a good choice, that you can select an outsider without it having to be a super controversial outsider. And that's already a bad start. Trump is controversial enough. He doesn't need to throw other controversial people in with him. So while I understand he doesn't want to just point, appoint all these establishment Republican politicians because then he's essentially done the same as what he, of those who he was criticizing. He's got to give an appearance that he's appointing outsiders, but I don't think Stephen Bannon is the right one to be appointing. Uh, Secretary of State, there's a number of possible choices, unless one happened tonight that I haven't seen yet, but uh, John Bolton, Bob Corker, Newt Gingrich, Rudy Giuliani, Zalmay Calzad, and uh, Stanley McChrystal. Uh, the, the names that are most interesting here that jump out at you are Newt Gingrich and Rudy Giuliani. Uh, supposedly, Giuliani is the leading contender for the job right now, and he, you know, he, both he and Gingrich really stuck it out and supported Trump in the good times and the bad, and so they'll probably get rewarded for it. I think Giuliani has, he's like 72, but he looks like he's over 80. I think we discussed this last week. He just kind of has an old appearance. He kind of has an appearance of someone who isn't really ready for a a rigorous job. It kind of looks like someone who should be retired. So that's, that's my problem with him. And, And Newt Gingrich, he's, he's really smart. He's one of the smartest Republicans and, and I, I've loved his writings and his, his speeches. He's a lot of good things to say. Uh, his personal life is a mess. He didn't conduct his personal life in a very ethical fashion. But uh, and I'm not talking about anything related to uh, 
the jobs he's held in government. I just mean the way he's treated his wives and stuff like that. But he didn't do that good of a job as the Speaker of the House. He did an amazing job in uniting the Republican Party in, in 1994 and, and leading to coming up with a contract uh, the contract uh, with America. And he really helped the Republic. He was really the architect of the 1994 Republican successes in that election. I think he's a great ideas guy, but he's not that great at execution. He's not that great at, at actually governing. So I'm not sure how he'd be at Secretary of State. I know he's got the intelligence for it. I'm just not sure if that's quite the right job for him. So we'll see who's appointed. Uh, Secretary of Treasury is uh, former uh, Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty, who's thought of at one point of a, as presidential material, but kind of didn't really happen. Uh, then three names you probably haven't heard of, Thomas Barrick Jr., Jeb Henselling, and uh, Stephen Mnuchin. I didn't really know that much about them, but uh, I'll, I'll skip by that one because I, I don't have that much of an opinion there. Secretary of Defense, John Kyle from Arizona, who at, at one point was anti-online poker that I think came to the other side, if I remember correctly. Jeff Sessions, a senator from Alabama. Duncan Hunter, a uh, former Marine Reserve officer who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Currently a congressman in California. Stephen Hadley, who was an NSA advisor. And Tom Cotton, who is a senator from Arkansas. And he also was in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I, again, I don't I, I don't know enough about a lot of these guys to decide who would be the best defense secretary. Uh, Attorney General, you have Rudy Giuliani and Jeff Sessions are are potentially up for that. And you see some of these both these names are duplicating from other positions. But again, I don't think Rudy Giuliani. I think he may may actually get that job, though he is the one who was. The leader for the at the moment to give Secretary of State, he can't be both. Uh, but I, I think that Attorney General is too tough of a job for someone in uh, Giuliani's age and condition. He just doesn't seem like he's spry enough to take a tough job like that. Interior Secretary, you've got Jan Brewer, Robert Grady, Harold G. Ham, Forrest Lucas, and Sarah Palin, the name that jumps at you the most. I, I think Sarah Palin needs to stay in Alaska. She's She's represented a lot of what people don't like about the Republican Party, and and she was responsible for promoting the rise of the Tea Party. She she wasn't at the beginning of it, but she was responsible for the election of a lot of Tea Party Republicans for Senate that ended up losing in 2010 and 2012. The Republicans threw away five Senate seats thanks to that, which is pretty big. Imagine if the Republicans had, had five more Senate seats right now. So, uh, I understood the chance that McCain took when it looked like his campaign was in trouble and he needed a gotcha, he needed a uh, something to really shake it up. And Sarah Palin definitely shakes things up. But beyond something like that, where you're just throwing a Hail Mary pass to try to catch something at the last minute... I don't think she's a good choice for any kind of national office, and I don't think she's ready. So, 
Right, Todd, I'm going to sign off because I'm going to go downstairs and get myself a fry up. Okay, get get your fry up, and uh, we'll fin- I'll finish this off here. I think I'm not going to yeah. do. That. For the foodies out there, the fry up will consist of fried bread, mm. couple of eggs, baked beans, sausage, and bacon. Sounds like an English breakfast. And, and uh, what what kind of what way do you make the eggs? Uh, just a straight straightforward fried eggs. Okay, um, a little bit of pepper on top. You know, I, I make it very similar. Yeah, and then the, but the key thing is the fried bread. And then you stack it up with baked beans and a bit of bacon and sausage, and away you go. Yeah, it sounds very English, I'll tell you that. It is, and I shall wash it down with a cup of coffee and an orange juice. All right, beautiful. Okay. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. It was a good, uh, good And uh, keep up the good work. Hopefully Brandon will be back, but if not, then you just got to soldier on. Yep. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. Ta-la. Bye. All right, so I'll finish this off, and I, I don't have the energy to talk about the, uh, the multi-level marketing. We'll get to that some other time. That'll always be here. <laughs> uh, Agriculture Secretary, uh, I'll skip that. I don't really know the ones very well that are being proposed for that. Commerce Secretary, same thing as two being proposed. Labor Secretary thought it's going to be Victoria Lipnick, who's uh, an equal opportunity, equal employment opportunity commissioner. And uh, I thought she's going to be the labor secretary. Health and human services is interesting. It's uh, probably a competition between Mike Huckabee, Bobby Jindal, and Rick Scott. You remember Bobby Jindal, of uh, the Indian guy from Louisiana, the governor from Louisiana? And he was seen at one point as the next Republican star. And there were a lot of reasons to like him, and he was going to... Uh, be the new face of the party, and it's it seemed like, uh, especially since he wasn't white, I know he wasn't a traditional U.S. minority, but he's still not white. You know, they thought that uh, that would help the Republican Party appealing to other minorities, and then he went nowhere. And what was really a killer was the response he did to Obama Uh, to a speech of Obama's seven years ago. Listen to this. I'm going to play part of it. Good evening and happy Mardi Gras. I'm Bobby Jindal, governor of Louisiana. Tonight, we witnessed a great moment in the history of our republic. In the very chamber where Congress once voted to abolish slavery, our first African-American president stepped forward to address the state of our union. With his speech tonight, the president completed a redemptive journey that took our nation from Independence Hall this is from 2009. Gettysburg, to the lunch counter, and now finally, the Oval Office. Regardless of party, all Americans are moved by the President's personal story. The son of an American mother and a Kenyan father, who grew up to become leader of the free world. Like the President's father, my own parents came to this country from a distant land. When they arrived in Baton Rouge, my mother was already four and a half months pregnant. I was what folks in the insurance industry now call a pre-existing condition. Okay, very funny. So here's the problem. You can always. You're, I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's 12 minutes. I'm going to stop it right here. But from listening to 53 seconds of it, as I just played, I'm sure you noticed that he sounds very phony. This this doesn't sound like he's speaking from the heart. Now, a lot of times these type of speeches are rehearsed, and, and he's reading from cue cards. That's understandable, but... 
he came off very phony. He came off as uh, just it, it really sounds like he's reading from cue cards. It sounds like he's trying to come off like he's natural when he's not. And this really turned people off. People said, this this isn't the future. If this is the way he's going to sound when he speaks, no one's going to relate to him. It, it almost sounds like he's reading a book to you. Others have seen your college and your retirement savings dwindle. Many of you are worried about losing your health care and your homes. You're looking to your elected leaders in Washington for solutions. Mm-hmm. Republicans are ready to work with a new president to provide these solutions. Yeah, so this, this killed his career. This, this killed it to where he was never going to become... Uh, I shouldn't say never because I, mean, I said that about Trump too, but it's unlikely that he's going to become president. Just, just that one speech killed him. That wasn't people, what people were expecting of Bobby Jindal. They were expecting... Someone who comes out and speaks to you from the heart sounds like one human being talking to another, not someone who's giving you a, uh, an overly rehearsed speech with a, a phony, friendly tone of voice. So that was the end of him. So anyway, he's uh, he is up for a cabinet position, and let me let me get to what I have here. So he's one of them. Mike Huckabee, he's been around. He's run for president a few times, and he's uh, he's been a political commentator, former Arkansas governor, and uh, he never gets anywhere running for president. He's kind of a weird Republican in that he's kind of more liberal uh, economically but conservative socially, which is a combination I don't really like, but uh, very Christian, but he's being considered for the Health and Human Services Secretary, and then Rick Scott, uh, Florida Governor, also under uh, consideration. That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, don't really know the Energy Secretaries. I don't really know the poss- the names. I'll skip that one. Uh, Education Secretary thought it's going to be uh, William Evers, who's currently at the Hoover Institution Think Tank. Secretary of Veteran Affairs Jeff Miller. The uh, retired chairman of the House Veteran Affairs Committee. Now, Homeland Security. Hmm, this is an interesting one. Keep in mind, Homeland Security is, is, is a new position that started after 9-11. It, it, uh, there's been criticisms of this agency that it's just government bureaucracy. Though it's done a pretty good job. I don't know if it's just gotten lucky or if it's actually done a good job, but if you think about it, we haven't had that many attacks on our homeland since September 11th, and the few we've had were kind of hard to prevent. I'm not saying they couldn't have been stopped in some way, but those lone wolf terror attacks are, are very hard to prevent in, in a lot of cases. If you just have some psycho who's going to commit a terror, terror act, then like, you know, like that Orlando shooter who shot up that gay nightclub. It's hard to stop those things from happening occasionally, as tragic as they are, with a country of over 300 million people. But for the most part, they, they've... You know, the If you've looked at the number and the severity of the attacks we've had on the homeland since September 11, 2001, which has been 15 years, uh, we, we did pretty well. We, we didn't have zero attacks. We had some tragic ones like that Orlando attack and like the Boston bombing and the San Bernardino shootings. But uh, 
overall, we've probably had a lot less than you would have predicted 15 years ago. So you have Jeff Sessions again, the senator for Alabama. You have uh, Michael McCall, who I hadn't heard of before. Uh, but then you also have Giuliani, again, as a possibility. Uh, David A. Clark Jr., a Milwaukee County Sheriff. And then, of all things, Joe Arpaio, the departing sheriff of Maricopa County in Arizona. Joe Arpaio was, uh, first of all, he's old. I don't know how he could possibly be taking that. How, how old is Joe Arpaio now? He's, uh, I think, is he over 80 now? Let's see. I was surprised to see he was even a possible choice. Uh, yeah, he's 84. That's what I thought. So how you can appoint an 84-year-old to anything significant, I, I don't know. But And he hasn't been appointed, but he's, he's being considered. And I didn't like this guy. He, he was kind of masquerading as just a tough-on-crime tough tr- conservative, but it went beyond that. He was... Uh, he was trampling on people's rights. He was uh, he was an authoritarian, and and I didn't like that. I, I don't like authoritarians, and I, I don't like. Uh, he he felt he was above the law. He felt he could pretty much create his own laws, and uh, that's the way he treated his, his uh, sheriff's department. It's the way he treated the prisons that uh, the sheriff's department was in charge of. And uh, some of the residents there liked him because he kept crime down, but I didn't like the way he did it. But uh, so he, I don't want to see that at a federal level, and I don't want to see him in charge of Homeland Security. But he probably won't be because he's 84. So I, I don't think he's going to be promoted. I think I think he's just probably done. Uh, the ERA, or sorry, EPA administrator, Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, Three names there. I, I don't know too much about them. I won't be bothering. A U.S. Trade Representative Dan D'Amico is the former chief of a corporation called Nucor. He's been a critic of, of the Chinese trade practices, which would go along with Trump, who's criticized China a lot of times. Uh, U.N. Ambassador Kelly Iote, who's a senator from New Hampshire who's leaving, and, uh, and Richard Grinnell, who's... Uh, Former uh, spokesman for uh, the UN during the Bush administration. CIA director, you've got Ronald Burgess Jr., Peter Hoekstra, and Francis Townsend. Don't know that much about these three, so we'll skip by that. And finally, Michael T. Flynn is expected to be appointed to the National Security Advisor. And this is an important one because uh, Donald Trump is not experienced in elective office and and you know, he'll need someone to give him a lot of good advice for national security here. Michael T Flynn is a retired army lieutenant general and uh he advised Trump during the campaign. So uh they have a 7-year rule for retired officers. I guess he's been retired too recently. So if he is appointed the NSA uh, advisor that he, he he's going to have to he's going to have to get a waiver from Congress because of the time since he was last an officer. You have to wait seven years normally. So the question is, uh, 
what type of choices should he make? You know, forget just the individual names here. What what should he be appointing a lot of outsiders? Should he be appointing appointing a lot of insiders because you know you need people who know what they're doing under him? Should it be a mixture of outsiders and insiders? I say that he should definitely promote some insiders. So there's people with experience there. He should sprinkle in some outsiders in positions where it's less of a big deal to be an outsider. But make sure that they're not controversial. So I, I didn't like the, the Bannon uh, selection. But that's been done. But I think if he picks people who are uh, outsiders, but, but ones who could probably do the job well, even despite being an outsider, I think there will be, and it, you know, take someone without the baggage like Bannon has, and uh, people will give them more of a chance. You, you don't have to pick an extremist to put outsiders under you. An outsider could be someone who doesn't have a lot that can be pointed to that are problems with them. He's just already he's already creating controversy, unnecessary. Trump, you don't you don't have to pick a guy like Bannon. Why why get everyone angry? They're already, they're angry enough that you're in the White House as it is. Why why make it worse? I don't get it. You could pick a much more conventional choice without going with all Hollywood uh, uh, DC insiders. So we'll talk about the multi-level marketing on the next show. Uh, I'm probably more tired now than I've been in a while at the end of one of these shows. But if if I faked it well enough to fool you, then I'm doing a good job. So will Brandon come back? I don't know. I have to think at some point you'll hear him on the show again. But I know he's annoyed right now. And he, he may, this may just kind of be what pushed him to finally make the decision to start his own show. Uh, here. He actually responded to me. Uh, he said, let's just celebrate the memories. Okay, well, I, I think that means uh, he's committed to doing his own show here. Okay. I've told him before, um, if at any time he wants to do that, he can. He's welcome to use the server. He's welcome to broadcast the show from here and promote it from here. So maybe you'll be hearing uh, Into the Night with Drex again, and we'll have two shows on the Poker Fraud Alert Network. And we'll see how this goes. You know, I, I may even call into that show if I am available to do so. So, thank you for joining me for this late night edition, whether you are listening live or in the archives. Let's see how the ratings are right now. I'm, I'm kind of afraid to look. I have a feeling at uh, 3.35 Pacific is not going to be good. Eh, better than I thought it would be. I wouldn't say they're high ratings right now, but they're not abysmally low. And... Thank you to Chip Counter, even though he was drunk. Thank you to Nutty for coming on and uh, taking over for Chip Counter. Thank you to Matt the Rat for calling in and uh, giving us some of your insight. Uh, I know we had Sishop call in briefly. If I'm forgetting anybody else who called, it's just because I'm tired right now. And... I've even run out of things to say. You know, you know, I'm tired of running out of things to say because I always got stuff to say, and this is one of those times I have nothing to say. So I'm just going to let the music finish off 
Shalom. Shalom.